Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast. Look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm well, thanks, Darren. Thank you for waiting. A little bit late this evening. As far as it's not, not very like me. No, no, you're, you're normally very on time. It's, it, I'm normally the one who does keep us back, and I was glad that you finally <laughs> made me feel made good. A little bit good to it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I feel like you mostly did it for me, so I wouldn't feel bad about all the times I've made you Precisely. wait. Um, I do feel a little bad, though, that we did make our guest wait, the fantastic Shiva McQueen. How are you, Shiva? I'm good. You know, I've been ready for about two hours. I finished the film about two hours ago, so, you know, I yeah, I've just been sitting here watching the time go by, thinking, thinking about the sound of music. Just thinking about so, it and all the things I wanted to talk about. So, you know. So you started watching about a week ago when I asked, would you like to come on the show and talk about it? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it is that long. It is almost three hours. So you do have to watch it in chunks. Uh, but no, I'm actually, I was so happy to get to watch it again because in this day and age, you know, there's so much TV, so many movies. You don't actually, you're not like, I'll sit down and watch the same, the music. I'll just pop it on for three hours. So it is nice to have an opportunity to have an excuse. So thank With you very an much. Intermission. With an intermission. And well. one that I do not skip ever because I love <laughs> it. Oh, you get just the all the best parts of the songs. I just, you know, this film is an emotional roller coaster. I need the time. I need the full length of it so that I can uh, break down, recover, break down again, recover again and just, <laughs> you know, go through so, so much. And, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping you went through the same things. <laughs> I'm hoping we shared this experience. Uh, and, and the nice reestablishing shots as well to remind you that you are still in Salzburg as the music plays, which is quite nice. I like that it I eases mean, you back in. I mean, the tourist board have got to have this as like their number one thing, right? It they, just... they do, seemingly. My, my, my... Well, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> my wife has been to Salzburg and it's just all about sound of music pretty much yeah of course it is apparently the thing to do and, and again i made i defer to patrina on this i won't i have never been to salzburg and i've never done the sound of music tour all in apparently the way to do it um is to get the cycling tour you can do a cycling tour where they will take you around all of the locations and if you feel comfortable while cycling they will also lead you in a rendition of the songs from the movie. So you get to recreate oh perhaps <laughs> one of the great scenes. Now, I imagine it's vaguely annoying if you happen to live on that route. Oh, my God. Absolutely. It's like, oh, my God, it's the three o'clock one coming through. But even <laughs> exactly. But even as a, like a mega fan, if you went on that tour and you're like, I'm going to live the movie, you're there with another like 40 fans who probably can't sing or whatever. It's not going to be as beautiful as you think it is. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know the weather in Salzburg, but I just imagine like a rainy day when just they're singing my favorite things just sadly to each other or something. <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, I mean, that's what you, it's nice from a distance. That's what you sing on a rainy day. Uh, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Specifically a rainy day. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same without when you Maria, can only though. think of 13 things that you like. Yeah. When the dog bites. Yeah, <laughs> uh, including doorbells, but we'll, we'll get we'll get to all that in a moment. But and sleigh bells, <laughs> schnitzel with noodles. <laughs> like we'll we'll talk maybe a little bit about the movies More like legacy movies. and reputation later. But I do like that when <laughs> like this is apparently one of Ronald Reagan's favorite movies. 
Um, so whenever the oh no, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. anywhere this I, I mean I hate it I actually hate it any anywhere this story goes from here is going to be good. But apparently whenever Austria um. anything Austrian would happen at the White House during the eighties, he would insist on like seeing Edelweiss, whether it was for the Austrian president <laughs> or the Austrian ambassador. No matter how many times that Austrian representative would politely but firmly remind him that this is not an actual Austrian folk song, but something that Rodgers and Hammerstein yeah. wrote for. <laughs> American musical. Oh my god. I mean, I hope there's footage of that. Like I just I do want to see that. But of course he did. I mean, that I if there's an excuse to sing Edelweiss, I don't know why anyone wouldn't take it and I mean, I guess that's you know what that's something in Ronald I, Reagan's favorite. <laughs> I like that one one thing. We're just kind of balancing this. We got I, one. <laughs> we got one, guys. I used to sing it all the time in college because um oh, just yeah. in my head. Um <laughs> Because I, I, I had a professor called um, uh, Dr. Alvis, um and mm. so I, I, I would kind of say her name, but uh, I suppose I should just say her name at this point. <laughs> um, but, uh, to, 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 to the tune of Edelweiss in my head. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. But yes, so basically the reason why we're talking, you, you thanked us for the opportunity to watch and talk about Asylum Music. We should be mm. thanking you because what happened is we reached out to you and we said, look, here are the 100 or so movies that we have left to cover on the best list of the movies of all time that we haven't talked about yet. And you got back quite quickly, I think, with The Sound of Music. So what was it that yeah. was like when that list was given to you, you were like, yep, yeah, Sound of Music it is. Well, first of all, I was just furious I hadn't been snatched up before. <laughs> I was like, um, well, don't worry, we have some statistics. Film? What? We have some statistics. We can get into them later. Uh, but sorry. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just love this film so much. It's something. It's a film that like I've had throughout my whole life, and I think I've just grown to appreciate it more and more as I've grown up. Uh, I think it's a film that you kind of watch as a child and find some bits kind of boring I know as a child I always wanted to get past the bit in the abbey uh, and get to the kids you know the juicy parts of the seven kids like oh my god how's she gonna cope with these kids but I, I like to think that uh when a nun watches it she's waiting for the kids bit to be over get back to the <laughs> abbey, back to the where abbey the exciting you know? part is. yeah <laughs> where which also these badass nuns so we gotta talk about that but I just there's I get new things out of it every time. It is such a corny film. Like, as you said, some of the lyrics in the songs are just so funny. And I I just have, I haven't a word to say against it. It's just such a good time. And I just, I hope that people do watch it and don't get like dissuaded by the three hour length because I think it's a film that earns every moment of its runtime. I'm not going to lie. I think it is perfect. Uh in terms of just like a very brief introduction to the sound of music, because um, like you mentioned there, mm. it being a beloved classic. We've talked about all the songs which are like universally acclaimed and universally loved. Yeah. There are some absolutely insane statistics just about this movie. Um, so obviously, oh, like yeah. it is it became the second highest grossing movie of all time behind Only Gone with the Wind uh, when it was in release. It was mm. the top of the American box office for half of 1965. It was number one for 26 consecutive weeks. It opened, again, before we mentioned, <laughs> uh, we mentioned The Godfather invented the idea of like wide releasing. So this opened slowly in stages, but it managed to play oh for two, three, even four years. Um, 
like in particular locations. In Egypt, it's known as love and tenderness. In Portugal, where it's rated 12 for some reason, it's known as music in the heart. In Italy, it's all together with passion. In Thailand, where the king played Do Re Mi on the clarinet at its premiere, charms of heaven sound. In Germany, where it bombed, and we'll come back to that, uh, my song, my dream. Huh, wonder why. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the movie has to say about Germany. That may be German. So yeah. weird. I mean, it's really just a nice love story about being in Europe in the late thirties. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually did when I was watching it. I was thinking, I was like. This movie is called The Sound of Music. How stupid is that? Like, what a stupid name for a movie. But then I was kind of like, you know what? I don't know if there is a better name for it because it's like The Sound of Music. It's like basically saying like the joy in life, the the good things about all these different parts of things where things are terrible. Like, I don't know. It's just it actually I came around to it. I was like, this is the perfect name for this film. But initially it's like, oh, you named your musical the sound of music. Well done. (laughs) It's uh, very inventive. I mean, the Hong Kong title was, and I quote, fairy music blow fragrant place place here. I mean, uh, who said that, it that, I mean, you know, if you've got the sound of music on one hand and you've got uh, very music blow, fragrant place, place here on the other, it's, it is a tough, tough choice. It's the repetition of place is, is one the fish. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't know like I feel like I feel like the, put this into like Google Translate and <laughs> see what, what it looks it, like. it pushed out. Oh. oh my but God. like yeah so like it, it ran like in in moorhead minnesota it ran for more than a year which sparked protests from students who picketed saying 49 weeks of schmaltz is enough don't get caught in the bond trap <laughs> in manila uh when it released at christmas there were protests so severe that police emergency squads had to be displaced to cope with ticket demand oh my the people in salt lake theater oh right salt lake theater in 1965 had a in, population in in Utah, yeah. Okay. Had a population of 190,000 people. And yet in the single year, the first year that it was released, half a million attendees of this film. Everybody <laughs> in Salt Lake City apparently saw this film nearly four well, times. in Utah, surely. Like, not everywhere has a cinema. I suppose they're all coming. That's the Mormons love it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, they can't drink. <laughs> but like, Syracuse. Syrac- <laughs> like, large parts of Utah are dry, aren't they? I don't know about... <laughs> Uh, Salt Lake City, but they 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 are, they, are we making the Baywatch argument have, here? They have quite tight liquor laws. So. Okay, we're we're making we're making the Baywatch argument what here, which is Baywatch like for argument? the Baywatch argument is that Baywatch was usually popular in syndication during the nineties, the most popular show on earth, but it was particularly popular in landlocked countries because people wanted to oh. actually experience what it, we like to have a beach. Apparently, that's why like the like Am it's I so Austria? big. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and Germany. Well, Germany, I suppose, we has go. a coast up. Well, we've come full uh, circle. Germany. That's the show, guys. <laughs> I don't think we're going to beat that. Germany does have a coast. I, I, I was confused when it's mentioned that um, Captain Von Trapp is in, I don't think it spoils much. To the say Imperial that. Navy. He's in the, he's in the, the Navy. And that had me thinking, like, yeah, how did he find himself it's there? Aus- Austria. <laughs> but, uh, of course, Von, Von, Von Trapp was from Croatia, which was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Yes, because this is and based on a true story. Every detail yes. of it is true. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that is fact. Um, no, no, but he, 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 I, I, I believe he was one of the most successful um, submarine kind of uh, torpedo captains in, in the First World War. They, they um, leave that out of the movie a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, we need you back to kill more Americans, you know, like you did during the First World War. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we we don't equate the two wars. No, no, we no. don't. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, a bit more complicated. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. It's not me. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> No, listen, he's a family man and that's what we focus yeah, on. Exactly. He's a family man who is very romantic and, uh, you know, he's just, he's he's perfect. He made some mistakes. He's not um, going to apologize for who he is. I mean, cancel culture comes for everybody. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's what we have here. Yeah. Um, yes, and music said it first. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, what you're saying about the stats there, just, it is so crazy contextually, like, if you think about like the 1960s, you know, you've got all this counterculture, you've got all this like progressive uh, kind of like the civil rights movement and all this kind of mad stuff happening in America with like, I don't know, I think about like the Manson family. So just this whole like so much happening culturally. And then you've got this movie that feels like you're going back in time, like centuries almost like nothing. Like it's just so, so quaint and so... um like Maria just is so nice, like innocent and these kids wearing curtains, singing songs. Like how is this doing so well in the sixties? It's so strange. Well, I mean, like, that, that is one of the big things about it because we mentioned like how hugely support, how hugely successful and how hugely uh, influential and how amazing it was just kind of culturally. But it was a movie that had the bulwark of kind of like critical or, or kind of the establishment pushing back against it. Uh, this is a movie that was mm-hmm. like famously terribly reviewed. Um, and don't worry, I absolutely have some <laughs> quotes from these reviews. Like the Guardian said, there's a French pudding known as Mont Blanc, which consists of a puree of chestnuts topped with oodles of whipped cream. It's very nice, but I can only face it about once a year. The sound of music is very much like a Mont Blanc. Quite enjoyable if you can keep it down. That's the, the, that's not a that's not a terrible review, though, is it? It is not. I hasten to add the kind of film likely to be much appreciated by what one thinks of as the guardian, as the typical guardian reader. Is the next line, if you let me get to that. Okay. <laughs> Um, you have like Bosley Crowther in the New York Times saying the fact that The Sound of Music ran for three and a half years on Broadway, despite the perceptible weakness of its quaint old fashioned book, was plainly sufficient assurance for the producer director Robert Wise to assume that what made it popular in the theatre would make it popular on screen. There was a cheerful abundance of Kirsch Kush Kinder sentiment and the general melodic felicity of the Richard Rogers Oscar Hammerstein score. As a consequence, the movie it's made from it, which had a big gala opening, comes close to being a careful duplication of the show, even down to its operetta passion, which uh, operated pattern, which predates the cinema age. And then there's Pauline Kael's famous well, that's review. That's not such a bad no, review no, either, is it? No, it's not. A, it's not a terrible review. Here's Pauline Kael, who this review famously got her fired. Just so we're clear, um, just to set the stage for this one. Whom could this operetta offend? Asks Pauline Kael, writing in McCall magazine. Only those of us who, despite the fact that we may respond, loathe being manipulated in this way and are aware of how cheap and ready-made are the responses we are made to feel. We may become even more aware of the way we've been turned into emotional and aesthetic imbeciles when we hear ourselves humming the sickly goody good songs. <laughs> um, and then you have like Joan Didion, who I think reviewed it at Vogue as well, who implied a lesbian relationship between Maria and the Mother Superior, um, saying that it was more embarrassing than most, if only because of its suggestion that history need not happen to people. Just whistle a happy tune and leave the Anschluss behind. 
both apparently Kale and Gideon were fired from their jobs following public outcry in responses to their negative wow. reviews of these films. Now, now to be fair, McCall's editor said that Kale That's... was just fired for being negative all the time, that it wasn't this review specifically. Um, that final line in the Joan Dalian is like, people shouldn't be allowed to escape Nazis. <laughs> Like, literally to be stand like on 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 that sentiment. It's like, oh, you just whistle along and like escape Austria. Um, I don't think she means literally escape Austria. Like, slight spoiler for the film that we may be discussing. I think she means metaphorically escape. Although the two are intertwined, kind of in the movie that we t- that we're talking about here. But like to the point that Shiva made there, like when this premiered, like so this premiered on Broadway in 1959. It was the last of the collaborations between Rodgers and Hammerstein. Um, they did eight uh, musicals together. Oklahoma, Carousel, Stage Fair, uh, sorry, State Fair, Seth Pacific, The King and I, Cinderella, The Flower Drum Song, and The Sound of Music. Hammerstein had been diagnosed with terminal cancer by the time he began working on this musical, and he was dead within nine months um, of the Broadway opening of this. Uh, the reviews of the stage play, which, again, 1959, we're very much like this is an old fashioned operetta. This is a throwback to the kind of musicals that we used to make in the 30s. It's left behind the dynamism of the American Broadway stage in the 40s and the 50s. And I think like to, to Shiva's point, there is something very old fashioned about this movie, something very consciously like looking back, uh, kind of nostalgic. This is arguably the last gasp of this kind of musical um, in the sense of obviously to put it in context for Fox, this was this is a Fox picture. Famously, the studio bet hugely on this. Uh, produced by Daryl Zanuck. Um, sorry, not produced. Richard Zanuck, his son. But produced by Richard Zanuck, who famously would go on to produce Jaws. But apparently, Fox in 19... <laughs> I know, what, what a segue. Both have very yeah. memorable musical scores. But, is that true? Yes, yeah. Um, and obviously both went on to radically redefine the idea of the summer blockbuster. Uh, but like, just to, to put that kind of in perspective, Fox had released Cleopatra in 1963. Famously, one of the biggest bombs in the history of Hollywood. It was the most successful movie of 1963, and it still almost bankrupt the studio. The year before it was released, wow. Fox posted losses of like $33 million, which back in 1963 was a lot of money. Um, and then the year that Sound of Music was released, they posted profits of $20 million, which is a huge turnaround for this. And you have like coming, this movie's kind of put together, the director, Robert Wise, he'd kind of, he'd won an Oscar in 1960 for co-directing West Side Story, which was another one of these big, stagey studio musicals, bright colors. We've covered him on the podcast. We have, we covered him. We talked about like the motion picture, um, Star Trek, the motion picture, which was his second to last film. Um, And basically, so yeah, this, this kind of comes out, but there's a sense that this is the end of the line for this kind of musical. In fact, 20th Century Fox emboldened by the success of The Sound of Music in 1965, when it makes all of the money, wins all of the Oscars, decides to go all in on like old-fashioned movie musicals. So they release 
Doctor Doolittle in 1967, one of the most famous box office flops of all time, the rare movie that is not Morbius to get a chance to flop twice in theaters thanks to Robert Downey Jr. They released Star in 1968, which reteams Julie Andrews and Robert Wise and also bombs spectacularly. And they bring back, they do Hello Dolly in 1969 with Matthew Kennedy described as a well-dressed dinosaur. Um... So this is very much like the end of a certain kind of filmmaking. Then obviously, as as Steve points out, you have, like in 1968, you have the arrival of Bonnie and Clyde, the arrival of New Hollywood, and everything changes. So it's kind of interesting just to kind of look at the movie as as kind of a last hurrah, I guess, of this kind of film, really. Yeah, it's odd, it's odd thinking of it as, 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 as being kind of um, think, thinking of this and Jaws. Of them being like sim- sim- <laughs> similarly successful, yeah. But one of them kind of being the dawn of something, and one of them, as you say, being the last era. Yeah. Um. Where where you 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 would you would think it kind of implies some sort of continuity, but no, that it's just kind of the um the final uh, the final nail. Yeah. Well, well, again, and again, the fact that I actually find it like really um really hard to wrap my head around how it can do so well, like even. The fact that what was a Cleopatra flopped, yeah. then they decided to do this. Like, what prompted them to do this or think that it was a good idea to do this? And then how that kind of success was never seen again for a musical. Like, how it's just so, I just don't understand it at all. I'm just sitting here gobsmacked. Well, I, I love the roller coaster of nobody knows anything about movie producing, where Fox are like, we'll make a big, bombastic Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor historical epic, and it bombs. And they're like, Damn it! Yeah. Let's let's make a, a adaptation of musical. Where we send the let's entire just crew do to it Austria. Cheaper. <laughs> no, this this is well. This is cheaper. Yes, everything is cheaper than Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah. But, but it costs like, eight million dollars, which is a lot of again a lot of money in nineteen sixty five money. I feel like I should have like the inflation calculator mm. open when I do this. <laughs> but it's somewhere in the region of like a hundred and fifty two hundred million roughly today is what it would right, be. Right. Yeah. Um. So it's like we're talking Avengers Endgame kind of level of movie production here. Oh my god. Um. Like famously like that her- helicopter opening shot which is one of the great opening shots in cinema had like 20th century fox like leaning down on robert wise going do you really need the helicopter and surely one take is enough huh huh like, you yeah. can't afford to have the helicopter just flying back and forth in austria where we are shooting this on location <laughs> um, i don't know if either of you saw julie andrews whenever she came over for diff in 2015 um, but she she spoke about how um, when they filmed that scene, every time the helicopter would get close to her, she would fall over. Uh, so every time I see the start of the film now, I just imagine her collapsing after it cuts away to her singing. Like, it's just, God, it adds so much for me. <laughs> it, it is. Like, and she would talk about how she'd have to get up then and then run to the other side of the field because obviously the helicopter <laughs> yeah. turns around, it rotates. So she has to like run from one side yeah. of the field and then the second take is her having leg to the other side and then entering from the other side as well because you could only afford so many takes and apparently that the i know the the poor cameraman leaning out of the helicopter hoping that the buckle would hold um like hoping that he wouldn't drop out which is kind of kind of amazing but yeah like this is some tom cruise level (laughs) stunt work yeah (laughs) in the 1960s if i drop out of the helicopter promise me you'll use the shot (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Like, it doesn't really fit in this movie, but uh, we honor his let's memory. Just hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah, in memory of Todd, <laughs> yeah. he died doing what he loved, <laughs> which is what I told him to do. Yeah. Um, like a post credit yeah. sequence where there's a camera falling out of a helicopter. Um, <laughs> but I, I do. Oh, this is the outtakes of Sandy's face. But I, I, I do, I do love that it's. I do love that like Fox is like. So we, we bet big on Cleopatra. That didn't work. So we bet, we bet big on like Sound of Music and that worked perfectly. We're out of the doldrums. We are no longer bankrupt. We are no longer like ruined as a studio. What are we going to do? Well, we're just going to keep making these things until we end up right back in the doldrums and financially yeah. bankrupt again. That's crazy. Crazy like a fox. Nice. I uh, like it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I think that goes in terms of introductions uh, to the sound of music. So we're going to talk about the movie and spoilers in a bit more, in, a, in a moment. But just to kind of ease us into that, three questions. To I love it's like a movie that's what, like 60 years old. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. no, like, listen, turn this off if you don't want to spoiled for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I do love the implication that like you could be watching it and expecting real peril. Like what are the Nazis going to do to these yeah, seven adorable I children? Think, yeah, what could happen? <laughs> I think it's generally one where if you haven't seen it you kind of have or you know yeah yeah. <laughs> but pro forma anyway. yeah well i mean this was your idea you were <laughs> exactly. the one who insisted on the spoiler i do thing. i do because I, I i i do think the less you know the better uh generally but, but so um, if you could like travel back in time and seal yourself in a hermetic box for like <laughs> your life up until this point and then watch the sound of music but shiva do you think the sound of music is one of the 250 greatest movies ever made oh my god without a day oh my god like as i mean it just as films go as we know this is like it's a true story it's a book it's uh it's two german films <laughs> it was uh two it's it's two german films what do you mean <laughs> no, no no i mean um like they they adapted they made the a book. west german the, one yeah, yeah. and oh, are there other versions they, they, well they adapted the the von trapp family singer's story into two oh movies in the late 1950s which may be one reason why the movie did not perform well there are several others but that was, you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to watch. <laughs> I just simply won't. I don't think it's going to be the same. Um, but the fact like they did this on Broadway as well. And yet I think that the film does what every good film should do in that it shows the film, like the story so visually spectacularly and does things that you really wouldn't be able to enjoy on stage. Like all the visuals of Salzburg and mm. Uh, like the helicopter every, shot the opening helicopter the, the sh- helicopter shot <laughs> like the movie opens by <laughs> exactly. declaring you cannot do this on stage like it's a real power yeah. move from robert wise it's it so is and actually like it's one of those films where you know it's not a huge action film or anything but i think if you can see this on a cinema screen you should like that is the best way to see it rather than watching it on your laptop uh you will get the most enjoyment seeing it in like a spectacular kind of way and I don't know, like, it just, I swear every moment is just, like, going from hit to hit to hit. And you, I feel like I know these characters so well. I mean, after watching it several times throughout my life, you do, but you just get such a a condensed little little slice of uh, Viennese life. <laughs> I don't know. Strudel and noodles. I don't 
there you go. Oh, oh, these like that the nun who's like, I'm afraid and confused and don't know where I am when Maria talks to me. You're just like, <laughs> I want to know everything about you. I want to know everything about all the little minor characters because something something's not right with that one. Like Maria's not that crazy. There's a like, rich you know? inner life. There's a rich inner life. Absolutely. To <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, it is just it's so much fun. It does things that only films can do. Um, and I think that situates it so firmly in like the top 250 films. And, you know, it's stood the test of time. I'm sure there are so many films on that list that are like new entries. And um, you kind of you'd want to see where they are in 60, 70 years time, whether they stay on the list or not. Because I know I think Send Music is pretty far down the list. Yes. Um and I'm terrified for it. You know what? We need to, everyone who's listening now. Go rate it ten, ten to, stars. Give it that bump. <laughs> give it the two fifty bump. Yeah, exactly. I'm very proud, by the way. Our episode of J Bim pushed it. Up, I, I'm, we're taking credit for this, but J Bim <laughs> just passed out the help, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take credit for that one. Um, <laughs> nice. But um, the yeah, you you mentioned like the, you asked why nobody had covered the sound of music uh, before you, yeah. and the answer to that is quite simple. Mm-hmm. It was not on the two fifty. Uh, before <gasps> this it was oh my God. it was on the 250 back in the 90s and it dropped off in 1999 and then back in March when there was a reconfiguring of the list that restored Jaws to arguably its rightful place <laughs> but there was a reshuffling of the algorithm and Sound of Music was one of the movies that kind of snuck back in so it is a relatively fresh re-entry uh, wow yeah. that's um, great and shocking yeah. to me i'm like what where did it go who was taking its place like our, i don't understand this our podcast and the list that is based on is <laughs> it's nonsense, nonsense. <laughs> like <laughs> there's so many notable exceptions um on yeah it. like um robocop <laughs> i guess <laughs> o- obligatory yeah. robocop, robocop reference, reference. <laughs> um yeah. but like you mentioned well like what do you think i'm i'm you probably talk about this all the time on the podcast but like what do what is the what do you think actually gets things on the list like what would be the main requirements for getting there do you think what is the is there any pattern i mean we 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 sometimes kind of characterize an average imdb voter in a way that's not flattering and we apologize for that yeah (laughs) like (laughs) white people uh, men in their in their 30s kids in the 90s kids in the 90s (laughs) yeah 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 it's it's very much like a dorm room wall kind of list in in fairness there's more diversity than that there is a lot of the the, we we end up covering a lot of four female directors on the list i think otherwise the wachowskis right wow that's more than you think i mean it's more than sight and sound right no i don't know (laughs) wow oh god yeah the bar is it couldn't get lower <laughs> it's technically on the floor we've actually dug a little space we can put the bar yeah. in yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, or a little bar God. trench yeah well again like again the, yeah. the go-to example we mentioned is i think all of marvel's phase three made it in apart from black panther and captain, and captain marvel, marvel. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah like There's draw like, whatever conclusions you want from that color or a woman God. as a hero it's like it, it, it yeah. reminds Thor Ragnarok is in and, you know, Captain America's in and Spider-Man's in and the two Avengers mm-hmm. movies are in. But, uh, yeah. Ooh, 
what a what a lovely audience you must have. Oh, yeah. well done. Guardians of the Galaxy no, Volume I'm sure Two. Your audience are lovely. I think it's our it's our guests that that, that really that elevate bring the a quality audience. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah of course we're talking yeah we're gonna we're gonna get a whole new crowd now saying to me like, <laughs> exactly. come, on, come on my send music heads <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is it is interesting that you yeah. mentioned like the cinematic kind of aspect of it because that's one of the things i would argue that's interesting about this movie one of the many things that's interesting about this movie is that like as we mentioned it's a musical that exists in the context of the 50s it's very much an eisenhower era musical it's Rodgers and Hammerstein kind of come out. They release Oklahoma is like 1943, I believe. And what's innovative about... Yeah, musical Industrial Complex. Yeah, that's exactly... Yeah, that, that, Eisenhower did warn about that in his, uh, in his State of the Union address. Um, but like... So like Hammerstein... But they release Oklahoma and Oklahoma is mind-blowing to Americans. Famously, the famous story about the raising of the curtains and people are like, where are the chorus lines? Where are the flapper girls? Where is the big playbill opening number? And instead it's just somebody crooning about making butter. Um... But the idea is that <laughs> Rodgers and Hammerstein take the outside world and they put it on the theater stage. So that like Oklahoma, you have like, there's a bright golden morn on the... Anyway, you, that sort of nonsense. <laughs> beautiful. I, I know, it's beautiful. It's wow. perfect. It's, <laughs> I'm just going to sub in Hugh Jackman there and we're going to pretend that that'll be fine. Sure. But no, no, that was actually... <laughs> <laughs> but, that was nice. But the, the, it is a bright golden dawn on the meadow. Uh, but like Oklahoma <laughs> takes the plains of Oklahoma and puts them on a stage that you can go and see in New York. Mm. And it, it's worth kind of contrasting, say, the presentation of Oklahoma in, in Hammerstein and Rogers, Oklahoma from 1943, with something like, say, the presentation of the Okies uh, back in The Grapes of Wrath, John Ford's 1940 movie, which is very much about kind of survivors in the Dust Bowl during the Great Depression, where you have this real sense that like America has kind of turned itself around and Oklahoma is this kind of mythical, magical place and, and kind of America is perfect and aspirational and wondrous again. Uh, it's a very interesting kind of cultural shift that happens in the space of three years through the Second World War. Mm. You have like obviously the South Pacific takes the South Pacific, as the title implies, the King and I take Siam and recreates it inside this theater that you go to with a bunch of other Americans, this Disneyland-esque backdrop. The Sound of Music does it with the Austrian Alps, these painted matte painting backdrops. I mean, famously, if you go to Disneyland, another product of the, uh, what did, how did Andrew describe it? The musical industrial complex? But if you go to <laughs> Disneyland, which is one of these like, you know, hyper real simulacra kind of places that kind of recreate an American nostalgia or kind of like facsimile of reality. If you walk down Main Street USA, the medley that plays over the speaker system is an instrumental tune from Oklahoma. Like wow. Rogers and Hammerstein kind of like conjure up this imagined reality that you can kind of like almost like Syncadike New York style build within a theater. You can recreate an entire world inside a theater. I suppose Vegas is like that as well. It's something very American, <laughs> yeah. you know. But very 50s, very post-war, very like, we we are the dominant power. We control the world. We can recreate the world in these spaces, mm. in these imagined spaces. And like, what's interesting about The Sound of Music is that as, as Shiva says, it takes that musical, which is a very artificial, very stagey, very fake type environment and then goes to austria shoots in the real alps shoots in the real yeah. salzburg uh, and very famous like a real helicopter with, with a, like a real, very accurate to 1939 yeah with fake austrians <laughs> with, with fake austrians but <laughs> uh, do you guys know that yeah not an austrian in sight let's be fair <laughs> well you, you know the famous story story about salzburg with the um 
with the Anschluss sequence. Okay, no, no, we'll talk about it in the spoiler zone. All right, so, Andrew. Yes. Um, do you think The Sound of Music belongs in the list of the 250 greatest movies ever can, made? Can I tell you, it's a question you sometimes ask, do I remember the first time watching it? Yes, okay, sorry. I do, and it was this time. What? But I remember the first time <laughs> not watching it. Was when when <laughs> when I was when I I was leaving uh, the primary school that I was in in uh, Ballina to come move back to Sligo, and so they they put on like a party for me, and they put on a movie and it was the Sound of Music, and I was just so unimpressed. I, I was like, it, uh, like like Shiva mentioned earlier with like like you know that ki- kids can sometimes like have a poor reaction to it where it's like what is this this is not the vibe of this party at all so totally and there's like play some Lars Olivier Hamlet <laughs> yeah, you Philistines no, they took it out and played space balls and I was like yes this is it <laughs> <laughs> there you go like that's the thing the one thing you could say about this movie like this movie is not cool right there's nothing cool about this movie especially if you're trying to get like have a reputation around your friends or something oh, you're not going to say my favorite movie is the same music 100% as a kid no I don't think so and I think that yeah. that's the charm of it is is yeah. is is, is it, it's, it, it, it's, it's it kind thinks of it's hip to be square it knows it's hip to be square yeah, exactly. quote, quote the philosopher Huey <laughs> this Lewis this movie knows it's hip to be square absolutely he has norm core no um finally nuns they're getting their moment um yeah no i i um i think um it's um i think there's a very good argument for it being on the 250 I think as uh, as an example um, of one of these uh, uh, musicals, like along with the likes of Singing in the Rain, yeah. um, I think it looks fantastic. I think the songs yes. are tremendous. And exist um, outside the movie. like Absolutely. Like, like the, um, my favorite things is a jazz standard um, that, that John Coltrane kind of re- 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 release an album of um like uh, i think it was soprano sax uh my favorite things um which um uh which 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 features his his performance of this roger Lamberstein um uh, tune and now that is a, a jazz standard that other jazz musicians play um it's also a Christmas and, standard as well. Like, I mean, Andrews first performed it in 1961, four years before she got the role on a Gary Moore Christmas special. I have no idea who Gary Moore is. Ah. Gary Moore was in, uh, he was, wasn't he, he worked with Tin Lizzy. Ah. I think he, he featured on a record that somebody got me where it was like Tin Lizzy or Phil Leonard featuring Gary Moore. Oh, okay. But it, the record had been turned into a clock. So I could <laughs> It was one of those. Or it's like, this record sounds like it was pro- uh-huh. probably be good, but it's and a clock probably now. valuable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. It's the last Gary Moore album in existence, but it looks nice. <laughs> but well, now it tells the time. Sorry. <laughs> if it's the same Gary Moore, that is. And I'd say it probably was, because she, she was, what, English? Yeah. Very English. <laughs> and, and, we'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, quintessentially. They, um... But yeah, yeah, the 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 performances as well. Um, I think Christopher Plummer is um incredible. He really he's, plums he's the so... death of that depth of that character, and yeah. not just because he's a submarine captain. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
no he's 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 terrific and he does a lot of different things uh maria in her kind of um innocence as a character and her goodness really kind of shines through and she's very um winsome that's the word yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay yeah. <laughs> she she could also be winning if you're Charlie Sheen, I guess. <laughs> She's got tiger blood. Yeah, it's got tiger blood. <laughs> God, and actually what I love about like the performances, especially the kids, some if you could expect that something like that could have a group of really precocious children mm. and kind of kids that would kind of maybe annoy you a little bit. But to me, these kids are not annoying. To me, they're just like, it's all very natural and yeah. um, enjoyable performances, especially Gretel, who is probably my MVP of this movie. <laughs> uh, she Just her little worried face the whole time. It's just <laughs> absolutely like... This is a little character. We know exactly what she's about. She's so sweet, and um, but she rarely smiles. And if you get a smile out of her, you feel you've earned it. You know, it's, <laughs> she's just such a sweet little character. And yeah, Christopher Plummer. From watching it from being a child to an adult, he goes from dad to daddy, and I'll say no more. Like honestly, just, oh, we're, we're gonna say uh, more. There's, there's gonna be like, this, we have this. Okay, let's face it. This is a horny movie. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Set of music is a horny movie. <laughs> Robert Wise, the low key horniest director we have covered on this podcast to date, apparently, and it's always the ones you least suspect. Um, right. But um, God, I like that segue from talking about the children to talking about that. But I, I do. Think well, that, dad to daddy. <laughs> I like. We can see a little flow chart in Shiva's notes. Um, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a like Notes a, that are just in my mind. Yeah, so. what, what's what's it's the the story about Cameron writing aliens, where like just writing dad and just pausing and then adding a D and a Y. It's like question mark. Yes. <laughs> um, Perfect. But um, all right. So for myself, probably I think it does. I I think it's its significance is like historical monument, a kind of an ode to a certain style of movie making, as Andrew mentioned, but also an embodiment of kind of the last of these kinds of movies. Like again, we're on the cusp of New Hollywood. Mm. We're on the cusp of everything changing. I don't think there will ever be a movie like this. I mean, if you jump ahead, the what the next significant musical, I would argue, is probably Cabaret in 1972, which is nominated for Best Picture. And it's the anti-sound of music. Like it's it's yeah. almost like passive aggressively the anti-sound of music. So it does feel like this is kind of like the end of a certain line. And Again, we'll probably talk about when we get into the spoiler zone as well. It it's kind of it it feels like it's kind of aware of that as well because it's set at the end of an era. It's set in 1938. The opening uh, crawl is is it Salzburg in the last of the golden days. Um, so it's very much a movie that is about the the passage of a certain imagined idealistic world into history. And as Shiva mentions, like this is released in 1965. Uh, the 60s really get going in 1966 when you start having things like, say, the Summer of Love. The you know, then you've mm. got like the assassination of the you know Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy in 68, and then you've got obviously yeah. the Manson family in like 1969 as well. So it like it really does feel like this is the last gasp of a certain kind of post-war American idealism. So I think yeah, well, it, it's the end of an America that can be shot. Like yeah, yeah, that's that, fair. Yeah, that 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 is kind of loses its innocence. There's kind of like it's hard to stay naive after um everything that after uh, that kind of yeah. succession after like the, you know again things like the, the the ascent of richard nixon which i think somebody described as the the worst manic street preacher song um <laughs> but um all right and then shiva would this be on your own personal 250 your own 250 favorite movies 
This is going to shock you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Was waiting for a swerve there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this would be one of my favorite movies. I respect it. I don't like it, but I respect yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, my God. It's like, no, I can think of a 250 better for me. No, I love it. It's, ha. Huh, yeah. No, anytime I watch it, I'm just blown away by how much I still love it. Um, because, I mean, some films that I really love, if I've seen it too many times, they do start to lose their magic. But this one... I don't know, every time I just, it keeps giving me more. And so, yeah, no, I feel like this is going to be one that stays very high for me. Probably top 10 forever, forever and ever. I was going to ask, yeah, this sounds like it's a top 10. This sounds like it's a, you're, you reach for a kind of movie. It's like a, you know, I need to watch a movie. I have three hours. Yeah. This is, this is it. Yeah. This is going on. It's a total comfort movie. It's like, I also, I will be the person who's on Dublin bus listening to the soundtrack, probably the only person in Ireland doing so. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, it's just one that really, really sits with me. And it's the kind of one that like makes me want to have kids so I can show it to them, you know, <laughs> like that kind of movie. So uh, yeah, their sole purpose in life, watch the sound of music. <laughs> um, and walk around in curtain clothes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If you're not like Gretel, <laughs> we're, we're not doing business. Sorry. <laughs> so, like, well, yeah, I want you to be more of a Gretel than a Liesel. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what we're aiming oh, yeah. for. Yeah, tell me like, about a little rebel. <laughs> I also love it's like when she's saying all the things about the kids and she's like, Louisa, I don't know anything about her, but I'm sure she, there's something about her. <laughs> we just never find out. <laughs> this movie is already three hours long. We don't have time for character development. Exactly. There's seven kids. We don't you have did, time. <laughs> you didn't need to have seven kids because like they changed the names. So like they could also <laughs> just cut the, the kids. I love, I love yeah. the kids. Like you didn't make it. have yet. one that represents like each of the Freudian (laughs) 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 yeah um. that's the thing you're definitely cutting like a a few of the girls like Brigitte and Marta and and Louisa yeah they and even like you only need one of the guys really like you could have about three or four kids and you'd be sorted that's enough really I guess the song you know the song the uh the whole kind of military operation of the house it kind of he needs his little army you know uh, yeah, it wouldn't be as good if there was only four of them. If his um, wife hadn't died, like how many would there be? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Um, um, I do do love, by the way, that the re- the real Maria von Trapp has actually said that, like you know, con- you know, not to, not to put too much of a dampener on uh, our appreciation of the sound of music. She said that, like, she no, not sure she entirely loved the captain. Um, she more married the children. Yeah. It's, it's her way of describing. But well, that's why he married her. Yeah, I think I heard that it was more of like a marriage of um of convenience of some sort. Like it was more that than anything else. But you know what? It wasn't Christopher Plummer, was it? So there you <laughs> go. The, the way I saw it described was yeah that he he saw the way she looked after the 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 children, and was was kind of like impressed with. It's like, this is 1930s Vienna. This is how this works. <laughs> well, no, it was 19, <laughs> 1920s Vienna. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Cause they, they, yeah, they, 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 like they, they, did, they didn't leave in, in if, if they left. If they left. <laughs> Slight spoiler for the end say of the movie, they, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> Massive yeah, suspense. Yeah. <laughs> say, if they leave, say, I, say if in the movie they leave at the end in 1938. Maybe that didn't happen. In, maybe it was earlier. Yeah. I mean, I, so, maybe maybe if they yeah, leave... Yeah, it, we don't know. We're all speculating. Yeah, maybe I, if they leave in 1927, for example, that might be... That, yeah, and maybe if they, you know, if, let's say hypothetically the movie had them leaving over the Alps, maybe they just like got on a train one day and that was it, really. Um, 
which I do kind of like in terms of dramatic license. It's like, yeah, we that's not really a satisfying end. Can we have them like trek over a geographical feature with the helicopter? Can we get Todd back yeah, in the they helicopter? Don't just uh, tap their leap cards, get on a train. Uh, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> not quite as good. And Andrew, having watched this for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah. Would I this can't be pretend that this is like my uh, my. My favorite, my favorite movie. I certainly is it one of your it. favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I like like they, they. I suppose the question for me, as somebody who doesn't love uh, musicals, like obviously I pretend to like Hamilton. <laughs> you know, like, all, <laughs> like everybody who was like skipping every- cool. <laughs> I think I think you opened Hamilton by like uh, when I was like you know Lin Manuel Miranda has talked about how like he. He he wrote Hamilton because people like him didn't get representing on representing on stage. You were like, yeah, people who can't sing, and I was like, okay, set, setting a well, note there. The thing that annoys me scaling, is that people, people are like, I like hip hop, you know, like you know Hamilton. <laughs> like, okay, that's right. All right. Anyway, sorry. Um, you do love Hamilton, though. No, I I I, <laughs> I do. It's all very, it's all very subjective. Like the fact, the 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 truth is, I am wrong because everybody loves Hamilton, right? Uh, um, and I don't hate Hamilton. I'm, it's just like this thing where like, about the there's so much enthusiasm for something, and it's not quite it's not quite my thing. I think musicals in general. Yes, you are right. I did like La La Land. I liked it because it appropriated kind of jazz. Um, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Can't white people have one thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, feel, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. I'm going to delegate that to Shiva if she wants to touch any of that. No. <laughs> I just love like you've got this shovel and just digging it yourself. Like no, <laughs> no, no one's approaching any of these questions. No one brought up Hamilton. No one brought up uh, like. Well, well, I did bring up La La Land. The, the, the jazz appro- or the the appropriation that no one brought that up. <laughs> volunteered all of that yourself and you know he's helping us install the bar you see on the show and he's helping us install the 250 bar oh i see, I see. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um going to do a um uh, oh oh god no the word for it has just escaped me okay um yes <laughs> all right a limbo was it a limbo thank you how okay you know the funny thing is though like i I do like musicals, but I wouldn't be like a musicals aficionado. I don't really go beyond the kind of obvious ones. Mm. So I and even in some movies, like I will get so invested in the story and stuff that whenever a song comes up, I'm kind of like, ah, you know, is this the time? (laughs) You know, do we really need a song right now? But in the sound of music, I just... You know, they're all bangers. They're all like just such good songs that I'm like, yes, I am into it. And they just use the kind of instrumentals from the song so well throughout to kind of um, bring you to, to um, you know, manipulate uh, us imbeciles who love it. <laughs> Thank you, Pauline. <laughs> and you know what? Hearing, hearing that review, I was like, absolutely manipulate the hell out of me, movie. I don't know. At least I'm feeling something. That's great. I don't care if it's done in a in a way that makes me stupid i'm just like whatever way i can be affected absolutely i don't mind i don't mind i enjoyed the movie so i think ah, i don't know i i think 
you can enjoy things and enjoy how things affect you or you can be too critical about it. And you know what? I'm glad she lost her job. There, I said well, it. She did, get hired at, <laughs> she did get hired at The New Yorker and become America's preeminent film critic. So it worked out quite well for Polly. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and like... <laughs> well, I, well, well, has she been, she's been dragged on this podcast, so did it work out well? <laughs> and has been dead for several decades. Well, there you go. <laughs> Life one, Polly Kale zero. Yeah, so she can't even defend herself. <laughs> sucks to be her. The thing about the firings there is that like in both cases, their editors have since come out when those rumors have been circulated. Like, no, they really just wanted to be fired. Like Pauline Kale apparently just wanted to be fired so she could move to the New Yorker. Sure. Joan Didion was like, I want to write like prose about the 60s. I don't want to review stupid movies anymore. Yes. So apparently like it was very much a, I'm daring you to fire me. And the editors were like, fine mm. you win uh, yeah. in <laughs> in terms of recommendation sorry in terms of uh myself i don't know maybe actually this would kind of maybe bounce along the bottom um of my own personal 250 it's a movie i have a great deal of affection for it's a movie i have a very personal attachment to uh shiva mentioned the screening at diff uh i think it was 2015 i'm gonna guess it was chronologically yeah yeah uh, 60 year 60 yeah. year anniversary of the film where where Andrews kind of came over for that. It was a really magical screening. Um, there was, yeah, I, I remember that evening very well. I remember the person I was with that night as well. Um, it was just, it was a lovely film to see that way. And it's a movie that I always kind of think about and associate with childhood and with wonder and with kind of magic and all. And as, as Shiva said, being transported and at the risk of saying something which probably sounds very stupid for somebody who calls himself a film critic, but losing myself and my critical faculties in response to something, being so emotionally affected by, like, the wonder and magicness of it all yeah. that I'm like, yep, yeah, I'll just go along, I'll be swept up in it. I, I want that gigantic chocolate eclair that you have served me, even though I will be eating it for three hours, apparently. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> totally. It's so funny as well, I... I remember I saw it in the eye. I wasn't actually at that screening at Diff, but I did see it in the IFI a few years later. And I remember seeing this woman had brought along these two little kids. And before the lights went down, I was like, oh, isn't that gorgeous? Like they're going to see the sound of music for the first time. And then at one stage they were kind of acting up and being noisy. And I was kind of like, all right, get them out of here. <laughs> get them out of here. They're, they're disrupting the <laughs> movie. Get them out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they're disrupting she my experience. She reaches into her bag for her whistle and tries to remember the right <laughs> signal. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right. Um, then, then finally, so if listeners have not seen The Sound of Music and have not absorbed it, or even if they have absorbed it by cultural osmosis over the past, what, you know, 60 odd years, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and screen it and stream it to a local device? You know what? I actually don't know because I think it is a film that gets better and better even the more you know about it or the more you know to watch out for. Uh, just in even in terms of like the songs, I think if you know the songs very well, which probably most people do have a fair idea of them, you will enjoy the movie more. And I, I think, yeah, it's not really a movie that I feel like spoilers will ruin it on you. Um, but at the same time, probably like I just in general, if I'm listening to a podcast about a film, I want to have seen it just because I'll be able to enjoy the podcast more. So, yeah, turn it off right now and watch the movie if you haven't already. <laughs> Come on. You're late. You're late. Go get out of here. <laughs> this is of no use to anybody who will actually be listening to this. But I actually did a bunch of research on this. And the set of music is screening in the Stella. It screens fairly regularly in the Stella. In oh. fact, as we're recording this, it will be screening on Friday. 
Um, so you can go and see it in the okay, Stella. Okay, if that's where I'll be. After <laughs> <laughs> uh, just watching it. <laughs> and Andrew, <laughs> would you recommend that listeners pause the podcast and watch? I would. It was my first time watching it and it was a delight. Um, a, like a bomb. It's so wholesome and warming. Um, it's lovely. Yeah, I, I would recommend that people watch it. Let's see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> like arrive con- like con- six, 67 <laughs> years late to the party and be like hey yeah consider considering how kind of you know well known it, it 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 is and loved like it has a lot to live up to on the first watch and i think it delivers yeah there's a reason why <laughs> this is a classic yeah. um and and for myself yeah absolutely uh recommend it entirely and again if you can see it as i think shiva mentioned seeing it on the big screen if you can um, but yeah, watching it anyway is, is absolutely fantastic. And Andrew, uh, I do like that you describe it as a bomb. Um, this is a season on the podcast where we've covered the terrible Jaw sequels. We've covered Steel. We're going to be covering, covering Adam Sandler's <laughs> Going Overboard, Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream in Speed 2. So yes, this is a bomb. This why, are is a- we do- why are we doing Requiem for a Dream? <sighs> Listen, I saw Requiem for a Dream on that list. Is, is that? That does not belong anywhere on the 250. I'm sorry. <laughs> is that the list? What? Is it on the list? What, Requiem? Yes, of course it is. Really? <laughs> I, I, I suppose, of course. We did, we spoke we said, about this we, earlier. We did. We mentioned this earlier. <laughs> it's it's men who were like kids in the 90s. Um, men who saw movies in the 90s and have opinions about them. Um. So I watched that during one of the lockdowns. And let me tell you, not a good idea. <laughs> not fun. Should have been watching The Sound of Music again. <laughs> you could watch like the first act of The Sound of Music. Um, just focus on like... Oh. <laughs> All of the happy times that people have. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew has a new Andrew's public like, service announcement. Yeah, Andrew like writes down anti-drug film and just crosses out the anti, and it's like, yep, that's what we're doing now. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to see like uh, Rec Room for a Dream in all its different titles from around the world. It's like sadness, sadness, pain, bad. <laughs> like just uh, drug, drug. Uh, woman and diet fridge i don't know just like so, like <laughs> hell hell we're all in pain and sad yeah no it just it has to be like that um but you know what we're not talking about that we're talking about the sound of music <laughs> yeah so no th- this is the bomb and enjoy enjoy this. yes <laughs> yeah. right. Wom- woman centipede <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay with that we are going to segue neatly we're not going to top this that is, it's like a little reprise into the, yeah. into the spoiler zone <laughs> Zone. So Shiva. This is where our little intermission. Yeah. yeah. Our little, our little entrée. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. What, what, yeah. What is the, sorry, I was waiting for acknowledgement there. Um, what is the sound <laughs> of music about for you? Oh, okay. Um, it's just about, it's, yeah, a bam. It's happiness. It's about like finding all of the good things in dark places and, um, yeah, just just 
yeah, not being cool and just having this this group of kids who have beautiful angel voices and um, flirty flirty captains and uh, their their baronesses and governesses and just I don't know it's, is is the captain flirty? Oh, he's so flirty! It's yeah. ridiculous, he, especially with the baroness. Actually, I really enjoy their chats, and I, in a world they do get on very well, but it's not deep love like with Maria. But it also there's so there's so many dynamics that you know just between the different characters and so much conflict that then gets like resolved just in time for everything to go to when he gets the telegram of telling him to you know go to help the third don't Reich. be stupid be a smarty come and join the nazi party there you go there you go <laughs> god it's so like you know there's probably like the best visual from the film like the one that went around loads when christopher Plummer died of him just ripping up the a swastika the nazi flag it's just like there's so it's this movie about being true to yourself and your and your love and your country and doing the right thing and finding the joy in life that's what it's about absolutely yeah Yeah. so yeah yeah, no and the the, the, uh, and the the point about kind of loving yourself as well is it the sentiment of that i'd um I'll show me. Um, I have confidence in me. That um, uh, was she singing a bit. That's my favorite song. Oh, it's great! In it, it's terrific. Yeah, because they, 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 are all these kind of like um, doubts about her, um, which she mostly has about herself. To be fair, no, other people think that she's a fibbity jibbin, a will of the wisp, a clown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the mother superior is so harsh. (laughs) How do you solve a problem like Maria? She's like, she's not that bad. She's also in the Abbey and can probably hear you. I do love, by the way, that when she's marching down the aisle, they do a reprise of how do you solve a problem like Maria. (laughs) I I love as well that they're saying it as if there's going to be any other solution than blackballing her. (laughs) (laughs) What can we do? What what can we do? I don't know. (laughs) Have you tried kicking her out of the Abbey, um, yeah. But well, I love also the implication of reprising it is like, what can you do with her? You can bloody well marry her off. That's what you can do. <laughs> now the captain has a problem called Maria. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Um, High five, guys. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like that realization. I also I love whenever. Oh, go on. No, you no, no. <laughs> I just whenever um the Baroness is basically like, oh, you know, he's in love with you, but he will forget, and then she's like. Uh, good luck in the Abbey. It's like, it's the ultimate thing to say to like your romantic rival. It's like, yeah, enjoy being a nun while I go off with the guy. <laughs> like you're off to the Abbey to just be celibate forever. <laughs> like, can, the ultimate, the ultimate uh, slam. <laughs> can can I say, I don't think the Countess is that bad. Yeah, the Baron. I want to ask the that. Baroness. Is the Baroness, is the Baroness she really is the hero of this movie? Like if, 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 if I was in love with somebody and I had a love rival... <laughs> I would sell them down any Andrew, river. Andrew, yeah. Andrew would be, be more sell like those down nuns. Any river. <laughs> I just, I, don't worry, I didn't remove the starter from the car, just up, the brake. Send them up any mountain. <laughs> but, yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, there's. No, a, she's really not that bad. No. It's just like, 
to a kid sure like that's the thing I think she's someone who over time I've grown to like more because as a kid you're just like oh she can't even catch a ball <laughs> she's so pathetic and she's evil she's the evil counterpart and as an adult you're like why are they throwing the ball at her hard I would not enjoy that game <laughs> yeah, either well it's because the kids <laughs> are terrible yeah can, can we address yeah. this like they are they're even Gretel kids <laughs> or does Gretel get a pass I think Gretel gets a pass. Because, oh, yeah, like, gets a whole pass. she gets a pass from, like, beginning to end because <laughs> the captain uh, expects discipline from all of his children, but, like, accepts that she won't get with the program. <laughs> like, yeah. like, if Gretel asked for that glass of champagne at the party, the captain probably would have just said it's easier to go <laughs> yeah. along. <laughs> yeah. But I love how how openly, like, when they're on the hill and Maria's just teaching them to sing... She's like, I can't, I can't understand how you can be so mean to all your governesses. And then Liesl's like, well, how else are we going to get dad's attention or whatever? Well, father's attention. Mm. They're so obvious about it. It's like, this is why this, they don't even like, there's no subtext whatsoever. It's like, this is the reason. Here you go. <laughs> and the Baroness gets out of the way as soon as like the problem, it becomes like once she, once she figures out she can't solve a problem like Maria, she gets out of the mm-hmm. way pretty quickly you know i mean it's it's hard not to feel too bad i mean there is a wonderful mcsweeney's article um written from the baroness's perspective uh which is just like i just want to read a sample of this but i don't want you to be angry at him we're all adults here but baroness so many of my friends have said you must be devastated you are yourself fabulously wealthy so you cannot have wanted the captain for his money you must have truly loved him it's true but so i am sure does his new fiance the children's nanny her wardrobe is made of her wardrobe is made of curtains. She's definitely not a gold digger or anything. I'm sorry, that was crude of me. She seems like a lovely person, and she and the children have a great deal in common. A great, great, great deal in common. Since I will no longer be part of their lives, I do hope you will all keep an eye on the children. I'm not terribly maternal, but I was very fond of them my own way, and must admit I am worried of what will become of them now I have gone. I have planned to send them to boarding school since their education at the moment seems to consist mostly of marching around Salzburg singing scales. I think it would have been particularly helpful for the eldest daughter, who seems intent on losing her virginity to the mailman. Um, so yeah, is, is the Baroness the secret hero um, of... The sound of music. Yeah, and and I I think like like Maria is um, low key kind of uh, she I, she's certainly not she's certainly not a bad person, but she, she is she does she like the passive aggression is is strong in her, and she, and she 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 knows how to kind of like um, her kind of emotional jujitsu. I, is, I mean, to be is, like telling your boss that he doesn't know anything about his children is probably crossing a line in some professions. One might say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think maybe, maybe she feels that she can impress him with her courage and kind of standing up to to him. And I think, I think she does. But with the children, like with Lisa's reaction, where she's like, "I don't need a." Um, um, a governess. She's like, well, well, then we'll be friends, like immediately. And I was like, spot, like exactly what to say. <laughs> like, yeah, I I'm, was thinking that too. I was like, how are you so quick with the like, the perfect thing to say to 
someone that age like it's kind of like you have had some kind of you've got some qualification in childcare. like i don't know if that's a qualification i don't know if they teach that it's like what you really want to do is make the kids feel emotionally manipulated (laughs) prey on them (laughs) i don't think it's it's manipulating i think it's well maybe in a certain way but not in a negative sense at all no no. like understanding how to to relate to them in ways that will be kind of positive for them i think it's clever like she could get well, all of them to ball crying yeah well, no, well that's it like the, the bit where she kind of lays on the guilt and she's like if i can get gretel to crack the rest of them will follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gretel is the key here that's thank the... you for treating me all so totally. well i'm really glad yeah <laughs> and how welcome you made me feel um but I do think that is kind of like her nastiest yeah. moment. It kind of, that part does surprise me of her as a character. Cause you're just like, you think that she really would have been very phased by that kind of, especially like her whole, I have confidence song, which kind of clearly says like, okay, I don't feel so confident about this. And then suddenly she's going to, it's a risk. It's a big risk to, to talk to them in that way. Like they could have, they could have gone either way. They could have felt the guilt or they could have been like, let's go extra hard on this woman. She's a soft touch. Like, We're yeah. this close to cracking her. <laughs> Get the jar of tarantulas. Exactly, yeah. Get the medicine ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just fling it at her. Um, okay. But, um, but, but going back to the Baroness for a second, I think that she's, she's certainly not the villain of the story, but... I think her and the captain have a love story, which is only her kind of falling in love with part of him. Whereas Maria knows him fully at home with his kids. And like the whole way that the Baroness is like, oh, I should have brought my ukulele or whatever. It's like she had no idea there was this aspect to him. And and even like, you never told me your children were so enchanting. Like she has no idea. She just has this kind of very separate relationship with him that gets completely warped whenever she sees him in his like home life. I, so Maria is the is the right option. I, I'm sorry. I worry I'm gonna like I worry this is turning into like a team Baroness kind of podcast here. But I do think it's worth pointing out. The reason maybe the Baroness doesn't know <laughs> that about the kids is because the captain doesn't know this about his kids either. It's not as I don't imagine he was sharing the great deal of details about them. I mean, mm. hey, I'm just saying maybe if she had a chance. Yeah, I also I actually think that it's a really shady thing for her to say because uh, it it does it points out like you weren't raving about your kids. <laughs> your kids now know that you yes I didn't know they were so enchanting. You really undersold your your kids. I thought they were a bit <laughs> to be honest, but they're actually they are. There's really a reason good. why you waited. I thought there was a reason why it took you so long to introduce me to them. I thought they were terrible. Well, yeah, famously no. terrible, and exactly. she finds that out later. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah <laughs> here's here's a question this is from sophie gilbert uh in the atlantic uh, for the film's uh, 60th anniversary she i don't know touched with, to ask this question you're on so, so, so. <laughs> first time caller long time listener um but she, she she made a point for the film's 60th anniversary and i'm not sure how i feel about it so i'm throwing it open to the group is maria von trapp the original manic dream, pixie dream girl Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, she is. Okay. <laughs> I think about it. Well, I, I certainly have thought, I thought about it throughout. Like the very beginning, it's like, oh, what do we do with Marie? She's always singing on the hills. She's always singing everywhere, isn't she? You don't know what to do with her. She's a bit mad. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I guess she does come along and just kind of 
fix the family, fix the problems. So in a very kind of basic sense, sure, yeah, she's very manic pixie dream girl. Um, but I think she overcomes her own kind of things within it. Like she, to be honest, I, I kind of, I guess I don't really know why she was a nun in the first place. Wasn't that, the implication that, that she was like, dropped off at the the thing? I, dropped off at the. I think, I think like you 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 go because she's I meant to be twenty one, right? I feel I, I feel like in the Is movie. She, yeah. I mean, there are several questions to be raised about the captain's relate. I think the Baroness has has a right to feel somewhat questionable about this relationship <laughs> yeah, he has with yeah. the children's <laughs> nanny. Um, well, the. Yeah. the, the <laughs> The um seventies are here for many many of us, but anyway, sorry. I guess that <laughs> for me, it it feels quite clear why why Maria is at is at the convent. It's because she wants to find out what purpose God um has for her, and that it it's the uh, um it's what brings her to to um. Uh, to the children and to meeting um, the captain, mm. and it's certainly in the world of the of, of the film, and the the nun kind of like explains it to it is that there is nothing kind of there 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 is purity and sanctity in 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 the love between a man and a woman. And, um, yeah, which is quite quite nice actually. I like that the the mother superior is like yeah. Although part of me is also like, is she just trying to get rid of Maria? She's just trying to offload Maria. It's like, <laughs> no, it's yeah. fine that you sing. Yeah. You're still practically a yeah. nun. You don't even have yeah. to be in the covenant. <laughs> but there are other men too, and it's like, bam, more the better. That's great. <laughs> Fantastic. Have a nice time, bye. Um, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, that that that. That that that's why she's there, and 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 that she is somebody who is kind of like you know in search of meaning, mm. and 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 that and that and that she she finds it, I guess. With um, with her going to be the governess in the first place, like, did the captain just go to the abbey and be like, "Listen, we need a nanny. We need a governess." <laughs> <laughs> well, one of your what do your women do it like? like <laughs> How did that co- come to be? Like, Where, where's I, the point of connection? Because he doesn't really have a big social circle, to be fair. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they don't seem like childcare people. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I, I, well, uh, maybe he was like, can you take three of them? And they're like, no, no, we can come up with a different model here. You know, maybe he was hoping yeah. for like, uh, a, like a, a wicked, gnarled, like severe nun <laughs> to, to come down and really kind of put some manners on them. But the fear of God into them. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) We should probably talk about like Andrews because this is this is like one of the defining Mm. Julie Andrews roles. Famously, she had been um, on Broadway. She'd been a stage performer. Um, She'd been a performer since she was a kid. She had made a huge impression um, on stage in My Fair Lady. Um, And in fact, actually, she'd been kind of. But again, famous. And here's here's actually one of the great quotes about her where she was a great singer not regarded as a great actor. During rehearsals for My Fair Lady, her co-star Rex Harrison was disdainful of her dramatic abilities and wanted her replaced. Apparently the director, Moss Hart, had to like dismiss the entire cast for two days to rehearse with her solely to re- improve her performance. Apparently when he came home to his wife at the end of those two days, she asked how it went and he said, oh, she'll be fine. She has that terrible British strength, which makes you wonder how they ever lost India. 
uh, very famously oh, when they were adapting. Oh when they, <laughs> you did say that she was the most British actress earlier, so I do feel like that's a proper there note go, on that. Yeah. Um, but like, when when they adapted My Fair Lady to screen, um, they opted not to cast her. Famously, Jack Warner uh, opted for Audrey Hepburn instead. Uh, despite the fact that Audrey Hepburn cannot sing, uh, and they had to dub her singing voice for the movie. Um, but the fact that they didn't cast her in My Fair Lady meant that she was free to be snapped up for Disney for Mary Poppins, for which she won the Best Actress Oscar in 1965, and then hopped straight from that, where she'd been like, apparently Robert Wise and Ernest Lehman, the writer, had seen dailies and had been like, yeah, we gotta sign her quickly before anybody realizes how much she's worth. And then like literally hopped on a plane over to Austria, shot this, and then came back. And this won the Best Picture Oscar as well. So a fairly phenomenal six-month run for somebody who had not been in pictures like a year earlier. It's kind of yeah, incredible. Yeah, and whose performance abilities was being questioned. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I think Mary Poppins was her first film, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it exactly. Like, yeah. That's incredible. These it's are her just... first two films. This is her second film. Just to put that all in perspective. That is madness. Rex Harrison sitting there in the Oscars in like 1966 being like it was a fluke last year. No chance. No chance. Um, she never did anything <laughs> else like that it, it would be impressive, you know? <laughs> Sorry, have you not seen The Princess Diaries? Uh, exactly. Have you not no, seen yeah. The Queen of Genovia? Have you not seen Aquaman where she plays a giant CGI octopus that plays the drums? <laughs> like my favorite what? detail is my favorite detail about Aquaman no, is that I she turned not. down the like the nostalgia cameo in Mary Poppins Returns. She was offered the Angela Lansbury cameo and instead was like, "No, I want to go make the Aquaman movie." Uh, <laughs> she played oh. an octopus. She <laughs> plays the drums. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know this. <laughs> no, no, I have not seen that. Aquaman. Aquaman is not a good movie, but it's not. It's a memorable <laughs> movie. Um, it's probably how I would describe it. Um, like that's not even the most insane thing about that movie. Toto's version of Africa plays for what feels like twenty minutes in the middle of it. <laughs> no, sorry, not Toto. Sorry, Pitbull. Pitbull's version of Africa plays for twenty minutes. In the of- <laughs> yeah, Toto is like the definitive. <laughs> this is the real Africa, Toto. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and Pit- Pitbull's like, though, I'll show you how it's. Mister Worldwide is going to take you to Africa. Um, and what? It- how did we how did we end up going from Julie Andrews to talking about Pitbull? But featuring Ludacris. Very easily. <laughs> Too easily. Literally just one step of separation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, like a, an absolutely amazing performance from somebody who had not been on screen like a year earlier than this. And again, to have these first two films kind of coming out as well. And then obviously there's there's Plummer. Um Plummer who who famously loved this movie. Very, very much. <laughs> Famously described it as the sound of mucus. Um, in 2011, when he collected, when he was like campaigning for his Oscar for beginners, um, he was asked why he had called it the sound of mucus. Now, most actors at that stage would be like, look, this work is universally beloved. Uh, you know, I'm campaigning for an Oscar from, you know, a body that gave this the best picture Oscar. I should maybe cozy up. Not Christopher Plummer. Asked why he described it as a sound of mucus, he said, because it was so awful and sentimental and gooey, you had to work terribly hard to try and infuse some minuscule bit of humor into it. But it's a very good picture for what it is, he says. Uh, somebody had to be the bad boy and I chose myself. Yeah, he, but he's so um, charming. Throughout. Oh, he is. And, and he, he does um, inject so much fun into it. And he as a character, even when he's being this kind of like disciplinarian, 
It was a real glint in his eye. Oh, yeah. Um, no, the captain's a character that really shouldn't work. The jerk with the heart of gold. And he's a total babe. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is daddy. Um, but yeah, he's I mean, he, but like that, that's the character really shouldn't work. He's 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 a bad dad. He's a terrible father. He's you know, he doesn't have any interest in his kids whatsoever. Treats them like miniature soldiers. I'm sure refuses in, to give in, them play clothes. In in <laughs> he refuses to give well, them play clothes. Well, they have to be just going outside and breathing the air deeply. That is yeah. a line he says. It's, I love this. It's so stupid. Takes them on marches where they breathe deeply. Yeah. They, they... And when will they play, Captain? When do they play? Um, I love that's like her first I, question. It's like, uh, sorry, um, the playtime. When's that happening? Because uh, it does. It's yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, sorry. No, no. The, um, no, I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, just just that. He probably like in in his um, mistaken way feels like he's doing something uh, good for the children, and is and and also I guess doesn't feel capable of. Um, of of anything else like that that's that um it's just kind of like manners make it the man where 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 it's like i'm teaching my children discipline and this will stand to them forever no i i mean like i, I like the character works i do think right. he's a babe he is daddy i am not disputing <laughs> any of that to be clear but i'm saying that on paper the character is a ridiculously thankless character mm. um he's the kind of character who seems like the beautician and the beat like timothy dalton the beauty beautician the beast it shouldn't work that guy who's in the nanny with fran drescher i don't know why i'm going with fran drescher projects i seem to be just drawn to them i think the sound of music was clearly a model for drescher uh, as a breakout comedian but like it does have that kind of vibe where it's like no this person it's a very very hard role to do well and it's a role that i think you know it's very easy to kind of just fall into the cliches and kind of the you know the the rafe finds in the maid of manhattan of it and i think that plumber does plumb those depths um i think that he does plumb like those depths make it sound like a bad thing there I, I, it's like a blockage of some kind it's yeah not good. <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> I'm it's sorry like, that all the wordplay like that I have to go those with... heights. It's like, well, his name is Plumber, so I do want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm, I, the character has depth. Depth in a character is a good thing, I would argue. That's what I am suggesting. <laughs> well, I just, I think his irritation and kind of disdain for the movie really helps his character i think it shines through in a good way like that it's like at least it's not like imagine if julie andrews was the one who didn't like the movie it would just completely ruin it like you can almost kind of see in her character like the wanting him to like her and maybe like the movie but also being like here listen this is what we signed up for and uh you're gonna you're gonna be part of it whether you like it or not in terms of that's her as a julie andrews saying that and then maria saying like you're their dad you have no choice about this be better so it kind of it all plays out in tandem what's really happening and what's happening in the film i think uh and you know i think he probably had a great time doing it i'd say he's just being like i'm an actor me well, he, he he was apparently very, very drunk while shooting a lot of it, um, is, is his memory of it. Um, I also heard that he, at, like, 
at some stage he was really enjoying all of the Salzburg cuisine yeah. and stuff and he gained a bunch of weight yeah. and his <laughs> yeah. costumes had to be yeah let out <laughs> and like according to him he was only on set for 11 days in Austria and it was apparently wow. yeah what oh, a man what an inspiration to us all <laughs> yeah. like Good arriving day three it's like I think you need to let these out maybe just put in yeah. some extra room just in case room to grow <laughs> I mean like and again like Plummer is a great storyteller like I mean in so the for the film's uh, 60th anniversary he did like again another feature and it, there's a Vanity Fair feature which will include in the show notes which is worth reading in, in entirety but like he has said look as cynical as I always was about the sound of music I do respect it as a bit of relief from all the gunfire and car chases you see these days it's sort of a wonderfully old-fashioned universal film it's got bad guys and the Alps it's got Julie and sentiment and bucket loads our director, dealer, dear old Bob Wise, did keep it from falling over the edge into a sea of treacle. Nice man. God, what a gent. There are very few of them around anymore in our business. I do love that, like, Christopher Plummer just as a raconteur. Later on, he's asked to cite his, uh, his idols. And he's like, uh, you know, I really tip my hat to Mickey Rooney. He was in his 90s and still touring. Uh, and then goes on to say, you know, he was so good at everything. Tap dancing, singing with Judy, then breaking your heart in the Black Stallion at the coach. And he managed to marry about 18 times. And they were all <laughs> tall. God bless him. What a man. <laughs> <laughs> Just that little dig at the end. Like. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Plummer never forgets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he sounded like great crack. Oh. Well, apparently he he and Andrews were great friends, like up until the end as well. Like he he worked on the Return of the Pink Panther with her husband Blake Edwards. Uh, they did a TV play on Golden Pond together in two thousand one, and in two thousand two they toured the US and Canada together for a stage extravaganza called A Royal Christmas. So yeah, like can you imagine like being in the early two thousands and having the touring? Uh, and that that that's not on the Christmas Channel. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that's not on constant rotation on the Christmas Channel. <laughs> yeah. But you know that ABC paid, I believe, fifteen million dollars to air this uh, at Christmas. They paid twice the budget of this film to air it on, Whoa. I believe, in nineteen sixty eight or nineteen sixty nine or sometime around that time. Wow. Um, so yeah, no, this no. Film is powerful. It, oh <laughs> and very expensive. Yeah, Fox is like, like we got to dig ourselves out of that doodle hole. It's like the the opposite of it's a wonderful life, or it's a wonderful life. Like the you know was the, so cheap, yeah, so cheap that it's like <laughs> let's put this on every Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and ABC is like no, unfortunately we got to cancel all our public broadcasting because um, yeah. Julie Andrews needs that money. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but in, ter- in terms of other stuff then about the movie, is, uh, I suppose we should probably talk about the... Um, the Nazis? The Nazis. Yeah, the- I, I, I'm going to say... The- <laughs> we have these, to talk about the Nazis. These Nazis. It's 2022. Um, they're real jerks. That hot take. Do you know who was a- <laughs> yeah. Do you know who was a Nazi? Step away from the mic, it's scorching. Who was a Nazi? Hitler. <laughs> Hitler was a Nazi. You know, and, and Not a good guy. And, and you know Gorin. what though, like, you got the first hour of this film is just kind of like, it is. Like, I mean, this whole film, very, very, very sweet. But then an hour in, you get a Heil Hitler and you're like, hold on, what? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, we're, we're, Hitler? Like, it really does kind of lures you in and then it's like, ah, World War II and Nazis. <laughs> it's so, like, it really brings you in and then makes for like a really high stakes last like 20 minutes but it is only like 20 minutes yeah. at the end where things get super dark and super like oh my god what is gonna happen are they gonna get out are they like Don't. Rolf oh does, Rolf's say, back does... and now he's a big Nazi great I mean 
Ugh. Rolf Rolf always had vibes. I think like he even always before... had vibes. But you thought, oh, maybe he's like his love for Liesel is, you know, gonna where keep it him seems he's predicated on the fact that she's underage, um, and he talks about <laughs> how she's a baby. <laughs> You're a baby. She, she, is, she is sixteen. He is seventeen. Do you believe Rolf? He's a big man Can of the you... world. Like he has to look yeah. after her. In fairness, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would be like like the. I I I think he would say he was twenty five. <laughs> like, I don't. I, 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 have, have you seen that? Uh, is it the John Mulaney sketch from Saturday Night Live? Men pretend to be younger to to to. Yeah, sorry. That that John Mulaney one where he's thirty five going on forty. Um, they 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 redo the the sixteen seventeen song with John Mulaney playing the role of Rolf, which is quite something to behold. I have not seen that. No, I've um, never considered that he was lying about his age. I do think he no, was just like a little, yeah. a little no. messenger boy. Who's I know, I know, but there, there's the there's the vibe of the sixteen seventeen song, which is you are infantile, and I will mm. kind of, I am attracted to that as something I can work with. Which I find yeah. uncomfortable. Thing but is, I think she doesn't play it's with meant- it though. I think yeah. she's like, oh yeah, all right, well let's pl- go with this. Yeah, I'm so naive. Yeah. Like I do think she's more, uh, she's more on oh, yeah, top no, of things than like he maybe even is, and she's like playing up to what he thinks he needs to say. Um, although the thing that would maybe detract from that is her big little yippy after they kiss. Like, <laughs> God, I love the Courtney bits of this film. <laughs> like <laughs> the bit where where she where she's asking Maria, "What do you do if somebody doesn't love you anymore? Oh. Maybe they never." And but it's it's like I feel like you maybe open with the headline is now a Nazi. Like I feel like yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. that's the bigger issue here, Liesl. We appreciate it, but like focus on the important. You know, yeah. Sorry, you're heartbroken, when, but there's bigger things at play here. <laughs> yeah, no, but when 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 you're sixteen, I feel like there are red flags like with um, swastikas in the middle of them. But yeah. sorry, when when was it spiders? Black spiders in the middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're sixteen, if you have a crush, like the, the you you don't question like their stuff. You mm-hmm. you're not like. It's more like oh I I don't really like video games but you like video games so now they're my favorite thing. Um, I feel or, like maybe uh, there's a, there's like I feel like socialism there was a... isn't really like, my vibe. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like I there's mean, a scale. But like I like nationalism. I like socialism. Two great so tastes that exactly. taste great together. Apparently, yeah. um, I guess the thing is that like they they do having the whole scene in the gazebo where they sing that song it does kind of prepare you for her possibly not really understanding this or not not understanding the extent of it but just kind of not wanting to believe the extent of it because they're like it's such a romantic thing for a 16 year old to be in that Mm. situation therefore it is so devastating for her to think how could he have changed so much what is going on why doesn't he love me anymore um rather than the wider context of of him having it being brainwashed basically into and also he actually i think he does still care about her because it's like we just want you we don't your family can go we just want you i'm sure she'll forgive me if we like destroy her dad's <laughs> life but but we still love her <laughs> i mean he can't even name all seven of his kids it's fine yeah. um i mean the, I they, love, they I, just want him to to get get in a submarine and like 
sink the merchant navy again. Uh, <laughs> I love that Andrew's like, who's being unreasonable here? Um, but... No, no, no. I mean, I don't think they're going to kill him. I mean, I, <laughs> but I imagine I think, that after I, he's trying to flee, I talent. imagine desertion probably. Yeah, is like yeah. A, you know, he's I'm definitely a... going to be in the brig for a while. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Certainly be a stern letter of reprimand on his... Like, I just don't think he understands like the advantages of all this stuff. <laughs> like, um, Maybe if oh, we make the best the line argument. of the movie, uh, the best line of the movie, I can't remember the the big big Nazi guy in it. You know, you know who I'm talking about. Um, where uh, he's like, "Oh, you you flatter me, Captain." And he's like, "Oh, my mistake. I meant to accuse you." I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody Hello? is serving. Yeah. How, how clumsy of me! How clumsy of me! I meant to. He's so he's so terrific. Saucer oh. of milk to table plumber. Because um. <laughs> it is it's the little smile. It's the little like I know exactly yeah. what I'm doing here. Oh. So good. Walk right into that setup there. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> like Plummer is doing so many different things. He's doing that like the, this really kind of like cutting kind of repartee, but also it, like like you you talk about him being kind of like this disciplinarian, but he is also very kind of um, charming. Like. Well, he is with with his adult friends, with his two adult friends. He is very charming. No, but with <laughs> the children as well. I think so. With the children, like once he. He comes around to the idea mm. <laughs> of like once he's seen <laughs> Well, I guess I'm gonna have to live with them. Um, yeah. um, but like he sees them sing, he's reminded of the happier yeah. times in the house, and so yeah. there is he is softened by that whole experience. And from then on, I do think he's like he's a great dad. I don't know, uh, and he is protective and loving to them, and you can. I don't know. I have, I have high hopes for the Von Trapps, you know, once they get to safety. I want to see the sequel, guys. <laughs> what happens <laughs> I want next? to see that second German film. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we, we, we should mention, by the way, so when this movie was released in Germany, um, there was a, a, a rogue Fox official uh, in Munich who decided that uh, in order to ensure the film's box office success, what he would do is he would take a pair of scissors to the movie and it would end immediately after the wedding. Okay. So every reference to the Nazi party was excised from the German cut of this movie until Fox found out and until Robert Wise found out and they put all the stuff back in. And apparently the uh, fairly severe box office drop dropped down after that. Wow. I mean, still a good movie. Well, the, the, <laughs> I, I think the interesting thing in like 1965 was that you were looking for kind of anti... Um, communist kind of politicians to support in west germany and what was your pool exactly where 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 it's like 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 where like uh, uh, conrad adenauer had become kind of chancellor because he was too old for the nazis for the hitler end. youth yeah <laughs> but being that old he can't stay around forever so like come 1965 um there's a john le Carre book uh, a, a small town in germany where that's the kind of the the, the, the motivating plot. The plot. Well, I mean, like, yeah. well, that that's you. Okay, this is the thing, right? So when they were shooting this, obviously the the Angeles happens because now we're in the spoiler zone. Slight spoiler for 1938 in Austria. <laughs> um, but the the Angeles happens. A bunch of Nazi flags are kind of hung up around the town. Now, when Robert Wise was filming this on location in Salzburg, 
the local authorities were like, ah, we don't know if, uh, we don't know if this is cool putting up all these Nazi flags and taking photos of Salzburg with these big Nazi flags. Oh and Robert yeah. Wise's counter proposal was, well, that, that's okay. We thought about this. So what we might do instead is we'll just use black and white footage from when Hitler actually arrived here in 1938. And uh, you can see all the local officials lining up to cheer him and meet him. I think you're in it and you're in it. And uh, I think your treasurer is in it as well. And then Salzburg was like, you know what? Robert Wise ass more like. <laughs> and apparently <laughs> the Salzburg Council were like, you know what? Maybe a few flags can't hurt. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, so like I, I, that's kind of that's that's kind of I, lo- I do love the kind of like the hardball negotiation where it's like no, we will we will expose all of you as former Nazis, or you can let us make our movie here. That's how this is gonna work. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of kind of other stuff about the movie, I guess like oh, and and also we should note actually while we're talking about Plummer, his voice is obviously dubbed in the movie. It is very obviously dubbed in the movie. There are several points where like the character's lips are not moving while he is singing uh, from side oh, and back. Really? Because yeah. I don't think he's that good. The, the guy they dubbed him with. Yeah, because I was watching this thinking, it's a shame that Christopher Plummer can't sing. But then again, like he's so great at everything else. But they... I think that Edelweiss is a lot of him. I think like and that it's it's a mix of him and the and the guy oh. who dubbed him because I think he did kind of what I heard as well that he was like preparing for a different musical and he was like listen I'll do this one in preparation no one's gonna watch it it'll be fine uh and it really didn't work out <laughs> this small way. little movie where I can go and eat truth yeah exactly but um I think part of like part of it was his voice but I actually think I like I don't notice it so much. I don't like I mean, sure, it doesn't match up with uh, the, the <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like I think it sounds like um, or I can't distinguish between it. Maybe I'm just I'm so used to hearing it and thinking it's him that I'm like, well, that's how he sounds when he sings. But yeah, I think it's done pretty well. Except for the movement. <laughs> he was apparently dubbed by um, Bill Lee of the Mellow Men. But apparently, like you can, we'll include in the show notes, you can hear Plummer's original audio recording of Edelweiss. Uh, it's quite good. It's, it actually feels very, again, okay. guy guy at a party with a guitar uh, kind of singing, which is the vibe you want to go nice. for, um, really. But I, I do think it's actually, it's a really sweet little sequence because it is, we, you can hear him mm. singing. Sorry. We watched Mellow Man, didn't we? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Did we watch Mellow Man? For, was it for Halloween? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it is. It's a classic. Um, <laughs> right, is there anything else we're talking about? Anything jumping out of people in terms of notes about the sound of music? Um, I guess, like, we haven't really touched on Uncle Max at all, have we? Or um, We have not. No, he's a great uh, wheeler and dealer. I don't know. He's just good fun to have and there. welcome comic relief. I, I think I always thought that he was, like, um, the Baroness's friend. But I guess he's, is he actually like an uncle to the kids? I don't know. It's Uncle Max. We call Max. him Uncle Max. He's, he's definitely not interested in, in, in the Baroness or in Maria. Um, but it did, um, or maybe he is, I don't know. Um, but it, it seems like a lot to put up with. Andrew reading a whole other layer of subtext into this. Like, Joe Didion's like, no, the mother's superior uh, and Maria's where it's at. And Andrew's like, I have some suggestions. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. So, that for a moment. Yeah. What are you, where are you going, Joe yeah, Didion? That's, like, that's it's, it's, <laughs> what? No. I mean, everybody 
nobody no, quotes the no. day the 60s ended. Not everybody quotes the Maria and the Mother Superior. Am I right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Uncle Max and Maria. I'm sure I'm sure the fan fiction's out there for those who are looking. <laughs> well, I mean, this was a year before Kirk and Spock established slash fiction. So I guess that's out there now. Um, by mentioning it we have made it real the algorithm is picked sorry Andrew you were talking about Uncle Max no no I I, I don't know if I have anything interesting to say in terms of our nonsense that we talk about every week he smokes I think right and the children look up to him yeah it's perhaps inappropriate (laughs) smoking and he wants money he just wants money but he also I mean he is essential for you know making them perform and therefore aiding their escape um so yeah without uncle max we have a very different ending yeah he probably <laughs> doesn't get paid or gets paid less yeah, yeah can, can i ask <laughs> terrible tragedy ending for him what do you think <laughs> happens to the nuns when the nazis find out what they did to the cars um all dead i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I do. <laughs> do you ever think that like the von trap family kind of pauses once they cross the border into switzerland I'm like so what about the mother superior and the nuns? It's like, no, the, that's probably burning right yeah. now. I, think- I know. I do think about that like that. It is. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a happy ending. It's not like a triumphant. Well, they really did I- it. It is kind of they're still on their way and stuff. But it it does kind of give you the moment of pause being like, well, they got away. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it's. <laughs> Uncle Max is, is going to be spending a very long time in a very dark room. I really like the nuns. And I always imagine that they burn down the convent with the Nazis inside. And like like Ooh. with a with a machine gun. Like like Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Inglorious Bastards is basically the sound of music. They're basically the same movie, mm. am I right? I do like that ending a lot more. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, and then, great, and then they great put, nuns. They put the engine materials back in the car, the starters back in the car, and then they drive to Switzerland and they meet the von traps there. Like what took yes. you so long? Yes. Um, no, they die while killing nuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and like, and again, though, that that's the thing about it is that like, for all the movie is described as saccharine and sweet, and it is very saccharine and sweet. And the knock on it has always been that it is an incredibly saccharine and sweet movie, as Pauline Kael described for imbeciles who are too dumb to know better. Um, but I, ah, I, yeah. I always find <laughs> myself like kind of moved and kind of sad by the fact that this is very much like this is the end of the world for these kids. The world that they have known is going to be like over the next seven years is going to burn and break and crumble. And everything that they know and everything that they love is going to be washed away. And the world that comes out of it will look nothing like the kind of magical world that they briefly had in Salzburg. And I think like, I, I actually find that really sad and really moving and not to put too fine a point on it before a movie that is often obviously and frequently compared with something like Gone with the Wind, which is another epic, sweeping historical movie about the end of an era and how terrible it is when, like, the world you know gets destroyed and burnt down. Ugh. I do kind of... I, I quite like that the sound of music recognises who the bad guys are in this story. Like, it's like... Sure. You know, yeah, like, it's <laughs> yeah. like, Nazis bad. 17-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do love, by the way, how the captain, like, overplays his hand with Rolf. Where he's like, yeah. come on, 
I know you're not you're never gonna be one of them. Come on, you're a good kid. You're a good and Ralph is like, well, screw you. Now I gotta That was such this. a stupid yeah, no. I mean, where Maria so good with kids. Captain, I mean, hold your tongue. Like you could have gotten away so much easier, you idiot. Like, truly. Um, but the thing, I mean, that is true, but I, I kind of I guess that they don't really touch on this at all, but I guess the children have gone through the loss of their mother. You know, yeah, yeah. so it hasn't all been good for them. But um, the, it is funny how we're just like, yeah, the mother's gone. <laughs> we don't need to talk about her at all. <laughs> like, Maria's here now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she can fill that role in the family. I'm guessing she reminds them. Yeah, and they do. They instantly call her their mother as well. It's like, oh, your mother now. It's like, you don't have to call her. <laughs> like, be, be, she's not. <laughs> because... They used to sing in the house and then the mother died and they no longer sing and then Maria comes back and they do. So yeah, she 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 is kind of she 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 Yeah, is, she's a replacement. Yeah, yeah. She's a surrogate. You see uh, a picture of her and it's literally a mirror image of <laughs> Maria. <laughs> just just another manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> Turns out Captain Von Trapp has been keeping her in the attic. Um <laughs> And like that is, yeah, Von Trapp. It's in the name. It's in the name. So it's, I mean, this easily could have been a horror movie. You know? It kind of could be like an 18th century gothic romance. It's like, Rebecca. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You must must promise me never to go into the east wing of the castle of the house. That is all that I ask of you. I mean, it pretty much starts that way where he's like, there's some rooms in this house you must not enter. Yeah. Uh, It's just the ballroom. (laughs) But, but, But yeah, easily could have been like, yeah, that's where we keep the ex-wife or the the wife the who's current a quote-unquote dead you fully know? trapped that was the thing yeah. that like good dudes used to do in books is like keep, keep their crazy wives in the attic right <laughs> the... i mean good is a good is good is certainly an adjective it's, to choose there but yeah yeah he's he's he, he, he's such a great character because that wife gives uh, listen him, just save gives them him from such themselves guff, really and he just puts yeah. up with her up there in the attic <laughs> out of sight where she cannot bother him yeah Yeah. i mean he's the real angel here is what we're getting at Uh, all right so shiva is there anything else we want to talk about anything you haven't discussed or anything jumping out at you from your notes or just anything you'd like to talk um, about i don't know listen it's just a good time that's uh that's all i have to say about it it's really just i think if if anyone hasn't watched it and has not watched it because it does look a bit you know uh too too goody goody and too uh nice and old-fashioned whatever like it will be all those things but it's all those things and then so much more i'm i'm sure you could just talk about this like for for like hours and hours but um it's better just to watch it isn't it you know you got all this background information now and just gotta dive in (laughs) (laughs) and andrew i think for your notes anything jumping out there I do like that he said, like, at the top of Andrew's notebooks is written, forgot the diff notebook that I had stolen from Darren, (laughs) so I have to give my thoughts on Sound of Music. Yeah, uh, Petrina did text me the the pages that I had written in the notebook that I stole from you. (laughs) (laughs) You Dublin International Film Festival. Uh, Getting some product placement on here as well. (laughs) Yeah, they truly are. Oh, but, um... Yeah, there, 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 
Um, in terms of the nonsense, children are bad eggs. Explain. Like David Lynchesk, elaborate on that. No buffoonery. Um, no, the, um, they are. They are. They're. They're. They're bad kids, right? Um, <laughs> Actually, what I would love to know, I'd love to know your favorite songs from it and um, your favorite characters. Uh, my favorite things, hands down, uh, would, yeah. would would be my favorite, and and it's it's hard to kind of look past the captain, I guess. But in maybe um, in 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 terms of like I I I do think that um, Lisa is very good. Um, Charmaine Carr, who was twenty one years old when yeah, she passed in this, she she uh, after after making this movie, she 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 did I think um, uh, what was it called the evening primrose. primrose, and then she married a dentist, and and she 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 was she was never kind of in in well, a, it's every girl's dream, so you know <laughs> to, to be in the sound of music. Why make movies anymore? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like to be fair, Evening Primrose is a TV movie from nineteen sixty six of the following year with music by Stephen Sondheim. But yes, to do The Sound of Music, a TV movie, and then marry a dentist. I mean, she famously, she was offered a role in Peyton Place after this. Mm. But Fox paid her money not to take it because they felt that it would damage the brand of The Sound of Music. Very similar to what I think uh, HBO did with James Gandolfini uh, with The Office, where Mm. after, um, after Steve Carell left The Office, Gandolfini was the first choice to, to replace him. Uh, and apparently he was interested and HBO HBO were like, yeah, no, that would kind of ruin the Sopranos for an entire future generation of TV watchers. So would you like three million dollars not to take over the office from Steve Carell? It's like wow. if if um, if um, if Brian Cranston made Malcolm in the Middle after Breaking Bad, <laughs> um, <all right. laughs> I guess. Yeah. All right, then. Yeah. I think that then about wraps it up. Then unless there's anything else we talk about and we haven't discussed or anything jumping the- out at the, your your the, favorite your favorite song and your favorite character, Darren. Oh yes. Uh, again, I feel really bad. I'm gonna go with like favorite things is probably it, and I think it probably has to be the captain. Although I do have a soft spot for the Baroness. I have a huge huge empathy for the Baroness <laughs> sure as the do. only <laughs> adult Same. in this movie, Same. the only grown up <laughs> in this film. Yeah, and That's she true. she she's not reluctant to kind of you know have have fun with the children. But sure, they are sure. a ball. Ah, she's a little bit. Sure, she's a little she, bit reluctant. Yeah, I mean, sure, she wants to send them to a boarding school, but when are they going to have their fun? <laughs> you know, like the Baroness and and the Captain. I just love when it's like she's had the most depressing, the most depressing ball game ever, and she's like, "We'll do it again tomorrow, okay? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> fun. Don't torture each other." <laughs> One but of us. Will it, she's another character. Yeah, she's another character that she's like, I'm going back to Vienna. And I'm like, I want to see her life in Vienna, too. Like, there's so, every part of it is like, it's just little snippets into these people's lives that I'm like, I could watch it all. Honestly. Well, I mean, like, there's the moment where, like, the captain says there is no baroness anymore. And it's like, I mean, that's yeah, a, what did you do? That's a bit harsh. <laughs> It's like, it feels, feels just a little bit overdramatic for what happened here. Like, and I'd like to, to put it in perspective, like he, the captain like has been off in Vienna with the Baroness. He left the new, you know, sort of governess with the children and he's driving home and he sees his kids wearing curtains, hanging out of the trees with no supervision whatsoever because Maria's not there while that's happening. I, I don't think it's an unreasonable uh, response there. I don't think that's... Uh, 
I don't think the captain is out of line in the, in that particular situation. Maybe, or am I? Am I just a killjoy? Do I just Wait, hate fun? I in which part? Super, that like the bit where he's driving with Max and the Baroness. Play, and he's I, yeah, yeah. I think is important. Sorry, for children, Un- unsupervised, unstructured play. Like but it can't, also it can't all curtains. be like repeat after me, doe. <laughs> <laughs> I just like now you go do your own thing um, I love know. by the way that she doesn't teach them to harmonize it's like no we're gonna do a full on melody that's what we're not gonna we're not gonna begin with the basics we're gonna just pick this up oh, I do also love the idea that she teaches them to sing and they're all duds you know <laughs> they didn't have beautiful voices she's just like you know what actually maybe we just um, we just sit we I'm don't, we don't here. sing, we just sit. You should yeah. be singing there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what if the story of the goat herd is no, just a play? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> what yes. if this incredibly elaborate, <laughs> yeah. well rehearsed? Like, I mean, I mean that's a good, that is like, I mean, what, what a great sequence as well. That is just like, <laughs> just so yeah. fun. Yeah, no, every, every song in this has its, its perfect place. And it's also like, it, they, they are just doing that as a show for the Baroness and everything but it's like it's yeah I wouldn't want this movie without it honestly but that's it that's it it's like this is when when I talk about it being an old-fashioned musical like that's that's a sequence that doesn't really drive the plot forward in any meaningful way yeah it's literally just so they can show off the cool puppets that they built to the audience Such watching cool it puppets that they puppet are. with the horn or with, the, with the cheeks and the eyebrows, the guy who plays the flute with the eyebrows. But like, there's no, like, thematically it ties in because it's a story of goat. unrequited love. But what's right? Little baby ghost. <laughs> I mean, it is a, it is a song it's about arranged marriages for goats. I do feel like it's sending perhaps the wrong <laughs> message to the kids. Um, but like, that's the thing where it feels like an old fashioned musical. Like, because I mean, we mm. mentioned the fact that it has an intermission and it has like an hour at the end. <laughs> but I love that, like, after the intermission, there are... Is there one well, new song? The, There's the, only one song that isn't yeah. in the first half. The purpose, they just do reprises. The purpose of the play is it is the play's thing is to catch the conscience of the king. They would they would look at the captain's reaction to the two goats like making sex with each other and creating a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they'd see like who does he look at? Does, um, does he look at the baroness or does he look at the governess? Exactly. These are the questions. Uh, those the precocious whole, kids. It's a whole plot. They, yeah. <laughs> they really are bad eggs, to quote Andrew's notes. Um, <laughs> Your one note underlined. <laughs> yeah, did, did you say I have confidence in me was your favorite or, or what is your favorite? Yeah, that's my favorite one. Yeah, I just I think it's such like I use it in my own life. I'm just like, yeah, this is uh, just it's like my pump up song <laughs> 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 from the sound of music. But I just think it is so... Uh, it just really sets the tone for it and just it's so much fun it just honestly uh, if I was to say anything about this movie it's just fun and in terms of character your favourite character then? Um, Gretel for sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a walk her little finger yeah 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 she's like gotta show Maria oh. my finger she has all her own motivation going on she's super cute she's there falling asleep on the steps I don't know and she's got her little serious face it's just excellent excellent acting and again like as you say the fact the kids don't feel like theater kids where they don't feel like they hit yeah. every mark absolutely perfect which kind of it's not a naturalistic movie it's not cinema verite i'm not no. pretending that this prefigures the <laughs> entire new hollywood movement but i do yeah. i love that the kids don't feel like they're theater kids they don't feel like they're a bunch of 30 year olds they've caked in makeup uh, and kind of like yeah. got mickey rooney to play one of the small children 
Mickey Rooney plays exactly. one of the boys. Um, but yeah. I, I, I quite like that aspect. Again, it feels like it's a nice progression, kind of like a melding of, of kind of Rogers and Hammerstein and stuff. All right, then. So what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something, something they're enjoying at the moment. It could be something related to the movie, oh. something unrelated to the movie, just something that is giving you joy in this unusual time. So to give Shiva a, thank, a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll mention a few things I've mentioned already on this podcast and in, and in others we mentioned uh, my favorite things the John Coltrane album from 1961 it's after the um, Roger and Hammerstein play stage play but before the movie and my my favorite things is the is the t- title track but also has every time we say goodbye um, and it's uh, it's terrific and it's a real pleasure and it, it's 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 not like a, a Especially long play album or anything like that. It's it's I I think it's just like four, uh, four tracks. I mean I mean it's 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 jazz so it goes on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not like it's a very uh, disciplined it's not form. like four pop songs. Yeah, um, obviously, but um, <laughs> uh, no, but it but it but it but it but it but it. But I I did particularly like how Coltrane just stops when Christopher Plummer <laughs> shows up in the studio randomly. Um. <laughs> and I mentioned Small Town in Germany, which which is a kind of like an early John McCarry. Um, which is before the kind of um Carla trilogy, but after his his first kind of um breakout, uh, 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 yeah, couple of couple of novels, uh, which is quite good. Uh, and and another couple of books. One of them is about another um uh, Maria of a source. It's Marie Antoinette. Smooth, uh, yeah. Smooth. Um, <laughs> Which is is the the Antonia Fraser um uh, biography, which is is another Austrian woman who's brought to France and has a terrible time. <laughs> That's kind of the summation of it. It's it's like she she, she doesn't have a a captain. Uh, <laughs> I love how you're committing this. I admire yeah. I admire your commitment to this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 then kind of the, the when when I was looking up Captain Von Trapp, he 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 fought in um, seemingly he, uh, part of his service was in the 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 Boxer Rebellion and in um, in China, China as as in the boxers were attacking uh, Europeans and uh, Europeans kind of mobilized to um, collectively you know, respond. Yeah, exactly. Um and and it was written about uh, kind of the, the 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 where 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 I'd read about it recently was there was the the biography of another woman, um Empress Dowager Jurchi, uh the concubine who launched modern China, uh and it was uh, uh Zhong Chang, um who people might know from uh, Wild Swans, uh, wrote it. That was um. It was it was it was it was this kind of um, I suppose turning point, and there were, there were, there was a lot of atonement after the 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 Boxer Rebellion, and the part that Emperor Churchy played in it, she thought like oh may, maybe maybe it's useful to have these kind of like boxers. They love China, and sure they are kind of like perpetrating all this violence, but maybe like you uh, can they, use that. maybe yeah. they could support us. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she ended up really, really kind of like regretting the part that she played and the support that she had given them. So yeah, I'd 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 recommend those things. Yeah, especially John Coltrane's my favorite things. It's just a, a, a and great just, album, just a pleasure to listen to. When you mentioned my favorite things, one of the things uh, I didn't mention on the podcast is that apparently. 
the uh, the 20th Century Fox Christmas card uh, in 1965 was a photo of the Von Trapp family opening Christmas presents, even though it never Funny. appears in the film itself. Uh, it feels very much like a flex from the studio. Um, all right, so <laughs> that is so great. I want that. <laughs> yeah, sending it to all the other studios, being like, "We made all the money." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the initial one was just photos of Christopher Plummer lying in a big pile of cash. Um, so, yeah. Shiva, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Uh, I, I mean, my recommend. I'm, I'm very basic. Uh, my recommendation is Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> yes. Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I, <laughs> Do you feel the need? The need for yeah, speed? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, I saw it twice so far. <laughs> I, it's just, again, it's a good time. Tom Cruise is saving cinema. <laughs> um, but the thing, yeah, no, I mean, no need to recommend something that is doing so well. Um, there's it's also good. movies to do well. And it's good when yeah, movies that are good are doing well. Oh, it's so fun. There, oh. there are possibly, there are maybe people who've been cynical about it. And then hearing your opinion on it will be like, yeah, maybe I will That's go. Why true. are you looking at me when you say that, Andrew? No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we talked about it on the podcast. I was maybe a little bit cynical about the cruise. My, yeah. I, wasn't, I didn't you hit cruising altitude. Um, the thing is, I actually, I, I haven't seen the original yet, but I... <laughs> I love this film. I just, it just makes me happy. You know, it's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. Even if you haven't seen the first one, if you don't have much time for Tom Cruise, uh, there's, you, you can't argue it that he's a star. I just, yeah. he is. Yeah. It's, and it, he's so, you can't help but watch him and in, well, maybe you can't help but enjoy it. I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. <laughs> but it Why is. Why are you looking in, at me? <laughs> How do you know? Over Zoom. <laughs> it is just um, a bunch of really, uh, you know, attractive actors do it, like playing on the beach naked. <laughs> Covered in no, baby just, oil. There's, yeah, and there's just like high stakes, uh, corny, corny dialogue, uh, John Hamm looking mad all the time. It's It's got everything you'd want, I think. You just, I think it is a real popcorn film. Uh, and yeah, uh, another thing I wanted to suggest was this TV show called The Rehearsal. It's by comedian Nathan Fielder. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah. I really want to see that. It's really cool. I I think maybe the only the first episode is out, but he basically is getting people to rehearse giving like uh, either bad news or going through a certain social interaction again and again and again in <laughs> like uh, in every iteration of how it could work so that they're ready for it regardless of what happens. <laughs> um and it's it's so interesting and bizarre and like nothing you've ever seen. So it's well, it's a cool one. I wish listeners could see Andrew's face as Shiva described that premise to him. It was like he where, was at the Von Trapp where, Christmas. Where, where, can one, where can one watch this? I know it's on HBO mm. in America, right? Or, yeah. Uh, oh, um, sorry. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine it. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about what it might be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm having a rehearsal of my own, imagining watching it, you know? <laughs> so. 
<laughs> and in terms of recommendations then uh from myself uh very quickly i've been on a musical binge uh lately uh perhaps inspired by this movie perhaps not inspired by this movie uh we talked the podcast before myself and andrew are big fans of the blank check podcast they're doing bob fossey so i watched all five of bob fossey's movies uh ladies and gentlemen find yourself somebody who loves you as much as bob fossey hates himself um they're <laughs> they're phenomenal films uh they make me feel dirty and dead inside which is kind of amazing <laughs> Um, in particular, like I would recommend um, Cabaret and All That Jazz. Like All That Jazz is Bob Fosse imagining his own death, casting his own mistress as his own mistress, but not crucially casting his wife as his wife, uh, which feels like a move of some kind. Uh, but it's, it's absolutely fascinating. It stars uh, 250 regular uh, Roy Scheider. Uh, who we covered recently in Jaws and Jaws 2 and oh, Sorcerer as well. I, I, I just saw him in uh, The Rainmaker. Yeah. Oh, yeah so like yeah big shiderverse welcome into the shiderverse release the shider <laughs> release the shider um but yeah and also also stars i think is a keith gordon as well who is the who plays like shider's son in jaws 2 but plays the younger version of shider as well would wholeheartedly recommend that and then also star 80 which is the last movie that fossey made which is a movie that makes me feel dirty in ways that i still don't feel clean from uh, if i could take a shower <laughs> in my soul after watching it i would um it is the story of um is it uh dorothy stratton the Playboy centerfold model who was horribly murdered by her husband, um, Paul Schneider, who's played by Eric Roberts, uh, back when Eric Roberts was like one of the preeminent actors of his generation, uh, which is fascinating when we now think of him as the guy who's in the Sharknado films. Uh, but it's, it's a fascinating, deeply depressing, deeply uncomfortable, make your skin crawl exploration of a certain male insecurity uh, and about fame, celebrity, culture and American identity. I would wholeheartedly recommend all of those movies, huh? but only if you're in the right vibe. Sorry. Yeah, that, 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 I, I, I'm not going to do that. But I have heard that Bob Fosse is like this genuinely like terrific oh, uh, director. Amazing film. Like again, like, yeah. they, like we, we, I think we've covered on this podcast before. Like when you get to New Hollywood, a lot of New Hollywood like directors like, say Martin Martin Martin. like you can... and like Spielberg and like Landis and like Coppola all fell in love with kind of classic studio programmers like westerns and kind of those sort of movies and musicals as well and it's telling that when you get to the new hollywood age a lot of those directors have their kind of fumbles or their falls when it comes to trying to make homages to classic uh studio musicals you know martin scorsese's new york new york for example or you know one from the heart or the cotton club arguably from francis ford coppola i mean you could arguably even compare 1941 which doesn't have any big musical numbers in it but feels like a musical in terms of presentation like from spielberg and i think it's interesting that you have fossey as arguably the only director who figures out how to do stuff like that with Cabaret. He wins the Best Director Oscar for Cabaret in the year that, like, The Godfather sweeps the Oscars. And then he, like, he does, like, all that jazz, which is revolutionary and mind-blowing. And then also, like, I casually, I'd just recommend maybe Chicago, which is based on the stage show that he wrote the book for, uh, which actually won the Best Picture Oscar in 2002, so 30 years after Fosse won Best Director. Uh, I had a good time with it. It's not perfect it's not fantastic but it, it's a nice movie musical that i quite enjoyed and then very quickly because this is releasing next weekend and i know what's coming out next weekend there's a lot of good stuff in cinema so go see for example bullet train uh go see prey which is the predator sequel that is surprisingly good uh that's on hulu uh, if you're in the states it's on star if you're in the uk and ireland and sandman on netflix i also really quite enjoyed as well an adaptation of neil gaiman's uh beloved graphic novel all right then so shiva 
I should have done this at the start of the hour, but we got right into the discussion of The Sound of Music, so I apologize for this. But you... That's a lot to say. <laughs> you, have, um, you have a show. There was, there was some good news, I think, earlier this week as we were recording. I do. Or two weeks ago, as we were. Would you like to Yeah, share I that? have a, a one-woman show in the Dublin Fringe this September. Oh. So you can come and see me from the 20th to the 24th in Beaulieu's Cafe Theatre. Um, I'm doing a show called Coffee Kid. It's about... Uh, well, I play the love child of George Clooney and an espresso machine. Um, <laughs> and it's basically about, you know, like reconnecting with my dad and what it means to be half human, half coffee in this caffeine hungry world. Uh, so it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be very fun. And um, yeah, I'm really excited for it. So I'd love for y'all to buy a ticket. Wow. And, and where can we do that? How can we do that? Yeah. So on the Dublin Fringe Festival website, um, or, you know, you can follow me on social media. On Instagram, I'm uh, Shiva McQuinn. That's, yeah, it's S-I-O-M-H-A because it's a weird name. Um, and yeah, uh, you can also um, see me at Mob Theatre Dublin every week in Wigwam doing improv comedy. So yeah, lots of stuff going on. That is on Thursday nights, is it? Thursday evenings, yeah. I know because that's why we're recording yeah. on a Wednesday. Um, yes. <laughs> all right. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, and you can follow us. We're over oh, we're on Twitter uh, at the two fifty uh, on Stitcher and SoundCloud uh, on Amazon Music on Spotify. We're guessing if you're listening to us already, you have probably found a way to listen to us. But we're still obliged <laughs> to include this stuff perfectly pro forma. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, where we will be going overboard talking about Adam Sandler's. <laughs> 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 yes what a second act what a way to follow <laughs> the sound of music we looked at the sketch and we said we need something that will touch and resonate with audiences in the way that this powerful movie musical has you and mentioned yes, the sandman yes we are visiting the sandman yes he he's not just on netflix although he is also on netflix um and joining us for that discussion we will have the breakout role podcast so the fantastic jess dunn the fantastic luke dunn they'll be talking about it in terms of the context of sandler's career in terms of the movie that made sandler the man he is today and whether or not it's a bit of a wash yeah and whether or not it may splash the box office whether it sank (laughs) all right (laughs) i'm gonna call it there thank you so much shiva Take care. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you, Steve.